Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for all things Kings of War. as they delve into the world of Mantica and bring you in-depth coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Counter Charge. I'm John Quayle. I'm Dan King. And I'm Steve Hildrew. Welcome, everybody. So, we are going to spend some time tonight going over Battlemasters 2019, which is a tournament that we all went to just this last weekend. So, John, it's your, your first time on Counter Charge, am I right? Uh, that is correct. Yep. Cool. Well, so uh, tell us and the listeners a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? You know, what's your what's your origin story? How did you get started in wargaming, and how did you find Kings of War? Um, well, it's you know it's a long story, um, so I'll keep it nice and short. Uh, I guess for for me, I, I first started out as a young man uh, with my gateway drug, which was the old combat cards. I don't know if you remember those. Um, uh, my mother decided I didn't have enough friends, so decided that the best idea is getting me involved into a, you know, a relatively cheap hobby, which it never really turned out to be. Um, but since then, um, oh, it was the best part of 25 years now of wargaming. Um, all the different systems, everything from you know, Warhammer 40,000, Blood Bowl, uh, all those little things that keep you interested on those dark evenings. Um, but uh, in terms of like uh, uh, wargaming, going to tournaments, um, it kind of first started out with the the game that should not be mentioned. Um, uh, I, it's fine. You can you can mention it. We're we're happy. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So it was Warhammer. Um, I mean, I've worked for the the terrible company in its own uh, in different guises for a uh, for a while. Um, although that was a while ago now. Um, uh, and I got myself invested in in Warhammer playing the Tomb Kings. So um, back when they were good, and then they stopped being good, and I came back to the the Empire of Dust, and they were actually half decent. So uh, kind of go from there, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I mean, I got involved with the Kings of War back in version one. Um, uh, me and my friend uh, uh, Rob Fitz. So you've met Rob, haven't you? I, I have met Rob, uh, worryingly naked, but yes. <laughs> More on that later. I, I don't know if we want to go that far, but okay. Um, yeah, so we started with version one, Kings of War, uh, as a distraction from uh, from Warhammer. Uh, at that point in time, Toon Kings were, were not the army to be playing, um, but in Kings of War, it was a nice, clean, easy system. It didn't matter what you played. Um, you could have a good, fun, competitive game, which is what I enjoy. Uh, uh, we we just kind of dabbled here and there with it, and when the when the world exploded, um, and we were left to, to make a decision on what war game to pursue after that, we decided Kings of War was the thing for us, and never looked back really. Awesome, and Dan, you've been on the show so often. I'm I'm thinking they're tempted to rename it the Dan King Countercharge Show. But, um, yeah, I've been on a few times, yeah. A few times, dropping the odd links, uh, uh, leaks and hints for various uh, updates. Yeah, so why not? It's all fun, isn't it? It's all a bit of fun. So before we crack on with our recap, um, a few of us were up or down the night before um, and met in the pub down the road for a few pints of Hairy Helmet and uh, various other liquors. You, you couldn't make it, John. You came up uh, in the morning, didn't you? 
yes, yeah, we're not too far away. Um, although I regretted it a little bit because it was about 15 hours worth of uh, 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 of on the go. Uh, I tell you what, like, a Saturday night was. Um, <laughs> it took me a while to wind down, but there you go. Oh, John, trust me, trust me. <laughs> if you drunk when I drunk the night before, you took the easy choice. Believe me. I have got a wonderful photo of Dan. Um, so to set the scene, so it's uh, Battlemaster was in a kind of village hall, and uh, Sharrod's at the front of the Sharrod's the TO. We'll hear from him in just a minute. Um, he was at the front of the hall giving kind of the health and safety lecture, and he's like, "Okay, everyone, the fire exit is at the back." And we all turned around, and in the corner, at the far table, right in front of the fire exit, is Dan King, head in hands, having been up. Was it drinking chocolate, chocolate gin? Well, we had gin and we were like, okay, what should we put in it for mixer? Why not have 18% alcoholic chocolate mixer? Sure, that's sensible. After God knows how many cider-y things and stouts. Oh, and then we finished with whiskey. Did you get into the Um, mango cider in that first pub? Oh, I I had all sorts of things. Yeah, that that was nice. The rhubarb one was good too. Oh, dear. And uh, we were up that late. We had had about four or five hours sleep. And then the next day, Matt confronted me with a sausage. I, uh, I, 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 <laughs> whoa, whoa, I hang a, on a second. No, no, seriously, I had, I had a little nibble. I, I just couldn't face it. There's another photo going around somewhere. I, I just couldn't handle it. And then, yeah, just, just moving my head slightly. It was like explosions. Oh, my word. Not Legendary. Good. Anyway, on the night, before the uh, chocolate mixer got into play, I had a quick chat um, with our T.O. Sherrod. I had a chat with yourself, Dan, and Matt Hobday. Um, and yes. then, then some guy called Tom Robinson. I don't know if you, you've heard of him at all. He quite like he quite likes dragons. I think uh, he yeah. does quite Seth like dragons. <laughs> so who, let's have a who is this Tom man? I don't I don't know who he is. Uh, he was below you, mate. Below. Anyway, we'll have a quick listen to those, and then we'll get into the battles. All right, I am here at the pre-drinks of Battlemasters with Mr. Sherrod Vore. Hello, Sherrod. Hi, how you doing? I'm very, very good. This is the first time we've met, but it's really nice to meet you. You too, you too, buddy. So we're outside the... Uh, the White Heart Pub. The White Heart Pub in Loughborough, which yep, is yep. a very nice pub. Then people are getting reasonably drunk already. This is uh, <laughs> saying it's what, it's, it's 20 past nine in the evening, the night for Battlemasters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Battlemasters, how many Battlemasters have you the second Battlemasters? No, God, no. It's been going for about 11 years. Are you kidding me? No, no, Was no. Was it a Warhammer tournament previously? No. It's always been Kings of War. So Battlemasters initially was um, a, a club-based tournament using the little paper pull-out you got when you bought your Mantic miniatures. Wow. So you're properly into this. Like, from very first, from first edition, Battlemasters oh, been yeah. running. When uh, the first box sets I bought of Mantic miniatures were the Elves. Right. Um, I bought the Elf Army. So, Nancy, from the moment they came out with the rules, yeah. you bought from the initial pull-out pamphlet, you've been running Battlemasters. Pretty much, yeah. So, t- tell us me about what's the concept the, behind the Battlemasters tournament? So, the idea behind Battlemasters, the long-term vision for it was that basically it's an event where you throw absolutely everything on the table. Yep. Lots of models, massive armies, and just basically try and beat seven bells of crap out of each other yep that was the long-term vision so it, it's the oldest running independent kings of war tournament anywhere in the world i think so it must be in the world because it started in the uk if you've been going since first edition it's well before before, before first edition before so the pre-rules first, yeah 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 so there was the pull-out rules and there was the five pound uh, colour booklet yeah. then you had the first edition hardback rule book right. so just as the five pound 
pamphlet was coming out. You held your first tournament. We, we held it just before that. How many people were at your, at your first battle masters? Six. Six people. And today we've got 24? Uh, no, this this year's a little bit smaller than normal. It's 22. Right. Um, the last three years have been like 24, 26. Um, but that's okay. 22 is a nice number. Just you, really good Largely due to your... Let's call it relentlessly aggressive marketing strategy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, I think in, in fairness, it, it was in a growth phase and I needed to really try and encourage as many new players yep. to come to tournaments as possible. And I think what scares people, you think two and a half thousand points, oh my God, that's a lot of models. It is a lot of models. But actually, you know what? With Mantic stuff, it's not that expensive. Yep. You get a lot of models for your money. And actually, there are some really good cheat techniques out there. And with minimum or preferred model count, you're not even painting 40 figures for a horde. Yep. You can, if you're really being cheesed, you can get away with 21. Yep. As, as I have in many of my hordes, let me tell well, you. Well, there you go. I'm there a Rackin player. It's been a painful journey, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've got there in the end. So the kind of principle of the tournament is, this is about battle. So to uh, give the tournament, so it's a, it's a four-round tournament. Four rounds. One day, two and a half thousand points. And the thing is, the timings are tight. There's no seventh turn. Yep. You do not roll for a seventh turn, so you know right up front you got six turns, which means you have to make decisions early on. You cannot wait. If you're going to do something, do it early. And you've limited us to 55 minutes per round. 55 minutes each, yeah, absolutely. Now, can, I, can I tell you, Sharon, I played a practice game uh, uh, earlier on this week. I timed out in round four. Oops. <laughs> it's it's really tough to get it in. Is that part of the challenge? Is that what you're looking for? I think I think in previous years it was a challenge. Yeah. Last year there wasn't a single person that timed out. Well, it's gonna be one person that times out in uh, most of his games and you're probably looking at him right now, but that's, oh, that's <laughs> I'm sure you'll be fine. The interesting thing is a lot of people have um, really struggled with winning in scenario one and it was deliberate because the thing is... So tell us what Scenario 1 is before you... you uh... So Scenario 1, the object of the exercise is that you've got two opposing forces that are gathering some intelligence to get it back behind the lines. Right. But what's happened is they've crossed paths. Right. So you've got one side trying to get this information across, but there's an, an enemy army in the way, and right. they've got to get it back to their general. I like it. Story-led. And then it is story-led, and the opposing army is doing exactly the same thing. So it is scenario-driven. But the idea behind it is that it forces people to actually really gun for it yeah. because there's only two objectives that are of any value to you whatsoever. Right. If you capture your opponent's objectives, they are worthless to you. Completely worthless. And they're like loot tokens, right? So you can pick them up, but they're not... Because of the very, because of the complexity of getting across the board, they're not quite like loot tokens. They're similar to loot, but not quite the same. So you can surge with them. Yep. Okay, but you are reduced to speed five, yep. or le uh, unless you are five or less to start with. Yep. You cannot fly, and you lose nimble. Right. That's it. You can still move at the double. You can still move at the double. That's not a problem. Absolutely fine. You can still move at the double. That's absolutely acceptable. But the challenge you've got is you've got to get across there to grab the objectives yep. and get them off. And in fact, I think we're going to see a lot of draws. Because you have to win by two points, right? You so have to win by two points. It's one yeah. point if you're holding an objective. It's three points if you get it over the edge of the board. Correct. So, you know, getting it over the edge of the board is pretty much an auto win. I've played it, I've played it a couple of times in test. 
it's it's been a draw pretty much every time we played it. So I think it's going to be a really tough one. But you know, we had um, I don't know if you listened to Counter Charge, but um, we had an episode where the UK tournament organisers came on, and their opinion was don't write your own scenarios. Was their <laughs> was their overwhelming opinion? I yeah. think they can be quite tricky to balance. They can be tricky to balance, but I think it needs to be put into the context of the overall day. Right. Right. Okay. So for example, what I did, what I didn't want to happen, as has happened in a battle masters a few years ago where after the second game yep. there was if you're in the bottom half of the draw there was no point you had no chance whatsoever yep. you were never going to get anywhere so what I wanted to make sure of is that after the first game it's a tight field yeah it's I think a it really will be tight. tight field and if you look at the second scenario yeah which is a uh... It's the one with its objectives, isn't it? So it's a it's standard scenarios straight out the main rulebook, but with little additions, right? So for my favourite scenario is uh, kill the general, which is yep. a, it's a traditional battlemaster scenario. Yes, am I right? It's been around since the second ever battlemasters. Right. So what I wanted to do was create a scenario that everybody's familiar with, yep. but tweak it a little bit. Um, so you just get bonus points yep. for killing the enemy, enemy general. It's killing the enemy general is not going to win you the game in and of itself, but it can tip it in your favour. And actually, what I like about because um, although you know we talk about draws and that kind of stuff, but within the rules pack, actually, there's a huge point swing with attrition. Is it attrition or is it kills? So I've tried to avoid the standard attrition scores. Yeah. So I thought to myself, how can I make it nice and easy for everybody to play? Yep. And it's not about what the difference is, it's about what you actually go out and do. Kill. How much of a bloody nose did you give your opponent? And yes, you threw everything at him and half your army died in the process, but you did not give him a bloody nose in the process. So you can get extra 10, a point, 10, 10 tournament points for killing your opponent's Absolutely. army. Absolutely. So you can lose the whole scenario. Um, how many points is it for a win, Rhymey? So it's 10 for a win, yep. 5 for a draw, yep. you get nothing for losing. However, um, you can earn up to 10 additional points yep. based on how many points worth of enemy troops you've actually routed. It doesn't matter how many of your troops your opponent routed, it's what you actually beat the crap out of. I really like that, so say what I like that, because I'm, I'm a mid-table player, right? I'm okay but I'm not that great. So for me, if I'm losing a game and it's on attrition, there's not a lot for me to play for. No. But actually, if it's on kill, what I can do is focus. I can say I'm going to lose, objective-wise. Let's say yeah. he's, he's got his loot token over the edge of the board. I'm like, well, I've lost. But I'm going to kill as much of his stuff as possible because I can get up to extra 10 points out of that. Correct, correct. And that's, that's, part of, that's part of the reason for the difficulty in trying to make Scenario 1 an auto-win for certain players. Mm. Because actually, if you are going to go for the win, you're going to leave an awful lot of flanks exposed. Right. So your opponent will give you a right raw kicking <laughs> potentially absolutely so either you go for the win yep. and that guarantees you 10 points but then you you have to come you have to be able to protect your flanks you've got to be able to kill sufficient numbers of enemy troops to be able to pull enough points back from that yep. otherwise your opponent could lose the scenario but get eight or nine points yeah. just on kills alone. Could be amazing. So you could, could actually be, swing the whole victory. You could swing the whole victory just that way.
So cool. And actually, your event, you know, it's, it's attracted, you know, some of the top flight players in the country. We've got at least, I think, four Masters players here. Yeah, yeah. Minimum at the moment, we've got Tom Robinson. Yeah. UK's number two. We've got Dan King. Yeah. We've got John Quayle. Yeah. Well, you know, we've got some of the you know, some of the top players in the country are here. Yeah, yeah. Attracted by kind of the event itself, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that it, it's... What, what I've tried to do is make it as an enjoyable experience as possible. Yeah. If you're going to go out... If, I tried to put on an event where, what would I like if I was going as a player? I want to know I'm going to have a load of good games in a good atmosphere uh, with a good bunch of people and I don't have to think too much. I get yeah. looked after. Yeah. I get looked after. I get a bit of pampered. A bit, bit of pampered. Are you going to pamper us? Pretty much. I'm That's what I tried to, to do. That's what I tried to Is do. Is it on-site so, masseuse? That kind of... Uh... Uh, not that kind of pampering. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, it, it's it's just little things that make the day comfortable for people. Yeah, I think that, that that's kind of the attraction, isn't it? Awesome. So, what's the plans for Battlemasters? So we uh, so no, so Battlemasters for VC Games is your company, right? That runs the yeah, games. Yeah, yeah. So VC Games is uh, a not-for-profit organisation. Yep. Okay. The VC Games' sole purpose and mission is to be able to bring like-minded wargamers together to play games socially and at tournaments and have as much fun as possible so that's just, it you just run your first vanguard tournament had our first vanguard tournament early this year border conflict yeah uh that was a sellout i was really impressed um it went it went down an absolute stormer yeah. absolute stormer and so you're returning with border conflict next year so border conflict will be on again uh by the end of quarter one next year so probably march april time amazing um and then there'll be my Next year, the plan is to run three tournaments. Okay. So I'm going to be organising Battle Masters again. Right. Uh, which will be end of August, beginning of September, something like that. But the beginning of July, I'm planning on doing something a little bit different. Right. Um, so tell us about that. So this is going to be called Titan Wars. Titan Wars. This is obviously based on the, the new Titans in the new rule set, version absolutely. 3. Absolutely. It's an absolute celebration of where Mantic have taken us on this wonderful journey that is Kings of War. Uh, my hats off to Ronnie and his team. Absolute hats off to them. It's been an absolute pleasure seeing the game evolve and the miniatures evolve, and the new big gribbly monsters are <laughs> amazing. Those new skulls. I've just seen Dan King show me the painted uh, Chimera. Oh, it's gorgeous. It's really it nice. Is absolutely stunning. Yeah, absolutely stunning. And the Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, beautiful Love model. It. Absolutely beautiful. So the idea is, uh, it'll be a, the plan at the moment. Um, subject to negotiating with the venue. <laughs> it's a two-day event. Okay. Five games. Yep. Three thousand points. Ridiculous. Continue. Um, <laughs> on a six by four table. On a six by four table with specific army requirements. Okay. You must have at least one big monster or titan. One titan. Yeah, okay. And you must have at least two hordes. Okay, so hordes and titans. But then if in 3,000 points, if you're not taking hordes, then what are you doing, right? This is it. And what, I'm, what I want to really encourage players to do is the thing that I fell in love with Kings of War about, it was about big armies. I think you should up it. I think you should go three titans. Demand three titans, three hordes. Let's go, you know, 3,000 points. Sure. <laughs> go big or go home. Well, so you're going to go to Titan Wars. Think, One Titan's not enough. I think the I think the idea is I I don't want if you if you <laughs> want to bring three Titans by all means as long as you've got at least one at least one all at right at least one rain me in a little bit that's okay 
you know what? You could go all Tom Robinson on me and oh. bring seven. I don't think there's any chance of me ever going Tom Robinson <laughs> on anyone. Not being funny. <laughs> yeah, it's fair enough. So you've seen all the lists for tomorrow. You're the only I one that's have, seen all of the I lists. I have, I have. And I I've have heard about a few of them. I've heard about, I've been chatting to a few people. What's, have you, have you seen anything that's made you go, oh, that is gross. That is gross. <laughs> How many gross lists have you seen? I've How many seen, have you winced? <laughs> I've, I've winced a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. I've winced a couple of times. And in fairness to one particular player, um, I winced when I read his list. But that was because of who was initially drawn against. Oh, okay. And I thought, yeah, I can see why you've done that. Um, but now that other player can't make it, oh, which is a real shame. That's a shame. Um, but he's still going to stick with that list. So I thought, oops. Okay. Yeah. Um, is this Nick? Are we talking about Nick Williams now? Well, N yeah, Nick unfortunately is unable to make yeah, it. Yeah, I talked to Nick today. He yeah. was actually uh, he didn't yeah. he was upset he couldn't come. But yeah. Yeah, but look, you know it's. It's, it's a challenge, it's a challenge, you know, he, the, the guy didn't drive and it is difficult, so I, I understand, it's, it's understandable. but Nick's been brilliant um, and the, the lists on the whole are really nice. Um, the one army that I'm gutted that uh, can't be here is Chris Walsh's list. He's away with his family. Ah, uh, yeah. So he's had to bear. Yeah, they've gone on holiday. <laughs> his armies are beautifully painted. Oh, they're and gorgeous. I just wanted the excuse to photograph them. So, yeah, um, but of all the lists that I've seen, there have been some really nice ones. And Chris is standing. He's uh, uh, one of my oldest mates from university, John Dalbican. He's going to be using my elves. Are your elves? My elves. Uh, I hope he has more success with them than you do. <laughs> That's not difficult. <laughs> All he's got to do is lose one less game than me, and he's done better. Whee! Okay, um, but the, the thing I'm most proud about it is that it is fully painted, completely mantic, and full model count. Amazing. <clears throat> full model count elves. I have nothing but but awe. For anyone that can paint a full model I've paint, I've painted a lot of elves. I have, an elf, I have about 4,000 point of elves. <laughs> It's, it's the faces, they're so tiny. I like the models, but my God, those faces, they're hard to paint. So we, we were talking about Titan Wars. I, I think that the key thing for me, it's bigger is better. Right. Bigger is better. And what I really would love to encourage, um, I'm, I don't want to be chucking too many complex rules at people, yep. but I want to encourage people to actually think about, look, Mantic have put out fantastic rules, lovely miniatures they've really supported the hobby they've really supported the community let's give them something back so let's put out let's go and buy learnomantic models let's paint up a load of figures and just chuck a massive amount of them on a table yeah and see who's got bigger fists well let's see we're waiting for tomorrow thanks very much and uh yeah thank you let's go to pleasure. go back to the bar absolutely absolutely come on <laughs> i am here with matt hobday and the legend that is the Dark Lord Dan King. Yes. Welcome, welcome. So we are the night before Battlemasters. Indeed. How we've been? Have you been to Battlemasters before? Both. Yes. Yes. You both been to Battlemasters before? Several, about five, six times. I just talked to Sharon. He says it's been it's the longest running it's Kings of War tournament. The longest running independent Kings of War tournament. Right in the world. In yes. the world. Yes. So um, and it was actually my very first uh, Kings of War tournament. So you turned up. So you only played one guy previously so, right? so me and Jez we'd only ever played each other we were brand new to Kings of War we'd never been to any tournaments Battle Masters the first one it was about seven years ago now eight I don't know we came along we wondered wondered how we'd do yeah 
I won and Jess came second. <laughs> so and that's how the legend began. Was turns it? out we could yours. play Kings of War, um, and at that tournament we met uh, Jonathan Fawkes, Nick Williams, you know, other guys at Staples on the scene, Staples. and it all sort of grew from there. It has, and so um, and Jez actually worth saying. Jez is Macwar or Macwar. Macwar. Macwar yes. of Macwar's potion of the caterpillar. Uh, Macwar because uh, we ran the Macclesfield War Games Club. Uh, so that was his like username, whereas mine was like Dark Lord. So you were Dark Lord's Onyx Ring, and he's Matt Ward's potion. Yes, of yes. Oh, in fact, the Onyx Ring's pretty damn cool in uh, third edition. I've, uh, the, the other guys wanted to uh, drop it. I was like, "You're not taking my ring." <laughs> so uh, I, I made it extra cool. So, uh, so you made it even better. Well, it's cheaper now. Uh, so I think I think there's more chance people will take it. And uh, so what, what are we playing tomorrow, Dan? Yes, uh, Empire of Dust. With yes. some allies, right? Take Herd easy, allies. Yeah. Bye, Sherrod. Bye, guys. See, See, you See you in the morning. Yes, Herd allies. Uh, mostly because they're Mantic. And if I manage to get the top Mantic army, I get a free ticket for Clash of Kings. And I kind of need to win it because there's seven tickets left. And I really <laughs> want to go to Clash of Kings. And I'm like, do I buy the ticket? Do I try and win? Now I'm getting a bit... bit if you a, buy a bit, it, then you get a refund, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've told him this twice. Although I, I did speak to Rob at Mantic and he was like, yeah, I'll give you a refund. I'll give you a full uh, refund. You've got the, the text the he's, text. Yeah, evidence. he says, yeah, I can easily refund you and I'll open the ticket back up. This is he, where this is where that he just denies it. You know he doesn't Rob, get first place, yeah. and there's no tickets left. You know that Rob Berman is an inveterate liar. Then he doesn't get right? to go to Clash Kings, yeah. and he probably doesn't even end up at the Masters. For, for those <laughs> who don't know, that is uh, Crazy Bobby himself. Crazy Bobby himself, yes. and also Sensible Bobby. Well, I think he must be crazy because the amount of free stuff you get for going to Clash of Kings is insane. I mean, a giant and an, a Vanguard uh, Warband, a Vanguard Warband starter, and a Huskal, and a Huskal, oh, and, a Huskal. Well. and actually, that's actually the it was originally a limited edition German special one. You, you oh, might, I, I didn't. Yeah. Know, so I didn't actually know which one it was. Yeah, so it was, yeah, it was the, the German um, special one, but the Dungeon Saga originally. Yes, it's, it was really nice. It was the only Varen Gur model at the time. Although obviously now it's Northern Alliance. Well, apparently the weapon used to snap a lot. They've actually uh, redone it with a um, new, stronger weapon. So have you bought your typical uh, fluffy Emperor of Dust list? Yes. Well, I mean, Tom's got seven dragons. I've, I've, I've got two. <laughs> Only two dragons? Only two. Well, in fact, one of them is a bone dragon, so I mean... It's not even a proper dragon, is no, it? No, I mean, they both hit on fours because they're Empire of Dust dragons. If they don't hit, they are. The other one is a Pathis, the most broken character in the entire game. Well, I wouldn't say that. Wildly underpriced. I love him. Is he, oh, has he survived I mean, a third edition? Talking of wildly underpriced, we were doing the proofing for a uh, third edition. I was looking through the book and I, I, came, I, came, I came to Pappy uh, and for some reason we'd accidentally, uh, when it had been put in, rather than 300 and whatever, it was like 50 points. 50 points for a Pappis? Yeah. <laughs> yes, please. And I was like, I think we might be missing a three there. <laughs> or four. Yeah. Wow. No. <laughs> He's great. So, uh, good. So, and, and you're bringing... Uh, I'm bringing Ratkin. Ratkin. Uh, my plan was to bring Varinger. Okay. Uh, but due to various issues, I've had literally no free time. So I haven't had a chance to paint anything in the last three months. And uh, so I'm bringing a previously painted Ratkin army. Ratkin and you've army. got a cunning tactic, haven't you? You're going to time yourself out. Well, yeah. This <laughs> it's all Ratkin players. I've, yeah. I've kind of looked at the rules pack. And, a little bit too and, late. Uh, no, I looked at it and I thought, right, the, most of these scenarios seem about having lots of models. That seems quite a good way to go. So I've got seven hordes, 
20 drops, and then I kind of forgot about the whole 55 minute timer. Yeah, 55 minutes is so is if tight. nothing dies, I've got to move, yeah. I've got to do seven actions a minute for the entire 55 minutes. <laughs> so me. it's going to be an interesting game tomorrow. Oh, so you've while well, we're here, so you're talking about not having a lot of free time recently. That is that because of Goya Games? We, we're, we're sporting a very attractive Goya Games t shirt. Uh, yes, so um, tell us about Goya Games. So it's a brand new company that, that I've been sort of working on, I suppose, in a way for over a decade. Right. Uh, as I've worked my way around sort of customer services, dispatch, all the different aspects of the gaming industry, back from my days at the ga- uh, game design at Games Workshop. Right. Uh, to, to, to basically go independent and, and, and launch my own company, uh, which is kind of the dream for, for a lot of people, I suppose. Right, with um, a minute It's one of those yeah. things where... If I didn't do it, I'd regret it, so I'm, I'm going to give it a go. So we have a Kickstarter coming? Uh, it should be Saturday the 14th of September is the plan. And do I t- tell us about it? Tell us about Goya Games' Kickstarter. So the uh, initial plan was going to be uh, an Orc Kickstarter. Okay. And I got them sculpted up. And when I got the, the, the sculpts through, I looked at them and I went, these would be amazing barbarians. Because okay. they, they're very kind of muscular, rugged. Uh, vicious, much orcs. like myself and Dan, right? Oh, definitely. Muscular, rugged. I'm yes. feeling that feeling it already. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> we'll go with that. Uh, I wanted them to be proper vicious orcs. Yep. I love orcs. I've always, I think, my first army ever was orcs back in fourth edition of Warhammer. Right. Um, but they've always kind of been the sort of a laughing stock in a lot of games. They've always <laughs> been the butt of so many jokes. Don't tell Dominic his day back. He's going to be absolutely livid. They've always, they, they, you know, so what I wanted to do was design some really kind of orcs you wanted to be scared of that you looked at and you went, no, nah, I'm just going to go home now. Right. It's all right. I'm fine. So that was the thing. And, and I got them through and they I just looked and I thought, these would be awesome as barbarians as well. So it's an awesome barbarian Kickstarter now. There's different weapons, heads and bits of the two different factions. Um, we're going to launch them as warbands and as armies. So there'll be uh, 10 model warband for, for 10 model warband or uh, different troops of hammock and shield, dual wield, great weapons and archers all on the, the get go. And if things go really well, there's loads of stuff planned. There's cavalry, there's monsters, there's all sorts of different bits and pieces. So they're cast in resin, right? It's all resin, yeah. Uh, and you're looking probably around sort of the £2.50 model mark is the kind of the... Awesome, so look out for that. So we'll throw a link, if you give us a link yeah. to, to the site, we'll throw it in the, uh, in the show if, notes. If you uh, head over to uh, the website or to the Facebook, there's a competition to win some stuff at the moment as well. So. Uh, amazing, well, check that out. So, Dan, any more version 3 tidbits you want to throw upon us? Under NDA, Mantic would not approve. <laughs> Mantic would not approve. Here's interesting. If you go back to uh, Counter Charge episode, I think, 257, if you want some sneak tidbits, Dan threw these in. This was the Cock 19 episode, which Dan and John Fox were on. And you threw some version 3 snip tidbits into that episode nearly a year ago and nobody noticed you see, you see the issue is i'm under conflicting instructions you see matt gilbert says don't talk about it ronnie says if it excites people talk about it so it's like well i mean you know if it sounds quite exciting to me so i've always followed the ronnie school the ronnie school of being excited matt does not necessarily approve of that but ronnie's usually like yeah if it excites people talk all about it as much as you want so something, something exciting give us something exciting exciting well, I mean, there's, there's many, many, many exciting things. But as I say, I don't know which I can specifically talk about. There's some cool new miniatures coming. 
Queenie, for example? Well, I mean, that new Chimera, I just got the uh, painted uh, images of Atfree from uh, Mantic uh, recently, and that's looking gorgeous. That's gorgeous. I mean, it's, it's on a 75mm base, but to be honest, it's, it's, it's almost too big for that. It's like, rawr. It's beautiful. That's beautiful. So we, hopefully we can see that quite soon. It'll come yeah, out as a... Yeah. But there's some, there's some cool new things coming in various armies. A lot of armies get new little uh, units and things, and little tweaks. I'm, I mean, there's quite a lot of stuff that's going to sneak in from Vanguard. There's yes. so many yes. lovely models. Yes, there's various cool stuff from Vanguard. I mean, one of my favourites is the uh, Morpup Thrower, because basically Goblin units can take a Morpup, but then they expend it to gain like a bonus attack or something like that attacks. But you've no longer got a Morpup. So the Morpup Thrower, while it can chuck Morpups at the enemy, it can also pass them to its own units to recharge the Morpup on the unit. And it's things like that which is just really characterful and cool. And that uh, flying thing as well, what's it, the uh, bat flying... Wing it. Wing, wing it. it. Yes, I, I, I love that. Lots of people have been hoping that's going to make its way that, in. I'm well, sure yes, that's definitely it. And uh, that, that's got different things as well, because it can actually help um, make your war engines more accurate as a spotter. Or it can do, like, shooting attacks and things. And you can even use it as chaff if you wanted, because it's fast. Do we feel that goblins needed their shooting to be more accurate? Oh, definitely, yes. <laughs> I, I, I think goblins needed better shooting in general. Yeah, yeah, so. definitely. Adam Padley's been clearly on to you. Oh, no, he sold his goblin army, so clearly not. Anyway, cool, guys. Uh, thanks very much for your time. And uh, let's, let's uh, look forward to tomorrow, right? Yes. Do I get to say to something about first. keeping counter-charging or something? If, if you really want to. Keep counter Charging. <laughs> All right, we are walking pub to pub, and I, I am with former UK master, Hash of Kings winner, and former UK number one, and former UK number one, not current UK number no, one, because of the rankings. Tom Robinson, hi Tom. Hey, how's it going? I'm very good, thanks very much. So you are, are you the sole Northern Kings uh, representative at Battle Masters? Yeah, I'm the only one. Yes, yeah, the only one that can make. Is that because Nick uh, chickened out at the last minute? Yeah, no, he couldn't handle it. <laughs> no, he couldn't handle <laughs> the pressure. So, uh, what are you playing tomorrow? Uh, it's, it's some, it's some, it's some bull is what it is. It's, it's some bull. Really, really it's stupid. undead, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I've I, heard the rumours is uh, seven uh, legions of zombies, seven dragons. No, that's, no, you, you couldn't do that in the points. What it is, is six regiments of zombies, a horde of zombie trolls, three little revenants on undead worm. Little. Three big revenants on bigger worms. <laughs> and then a Pathis on the, the biggest worm. A Pathis, the, uh, one of the most broken units in the game currently. Yeah, uh, along with the Revenant King and the Revenant King on bigger undead worm. They're all the most broken units in the game. They're all about 30, 40 points too cheap. <laughs> Gotta be honest, I, I am, we were scheduled to play together. Yeah, that would have been really funny with that. That would have been really, really, really funny. You'd have seen some amazing things. <laughs> Well, I, I, I'd steeled myself for this game. Yeah. I'd steal myself to, to lose in the most... And actually, I was kind of looking forward to it because at least then I could just play people I could actually win against. I was going to show you the zombie railgun. <laughs> the zombie railgun? The zombie railgun. Is that the new team? Is it similar to your, uh, your uh, Kingdoms of Men list, which was just pole on, pole on, pole on? No, 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 no. The zombie railgun is you surround a unit which you want to surge about 50 inches across the board if you want. <laughs> and then you put all of these heavy flyers on either side of it. Right. Like, a, like You're like a magnet for a railgun. <laughs> yes, okay. And then you propel the unit between all these surge casters across the board. And that was your way to that win. That was the idea. <laughs> it's not very good, but it's really funny. Is this because of Sharad's totally not broken scenario? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, I, won't be, I would be lying if it wasn't the fact that his scenario really encourages this kind of play <laughs> this kind of broken play I, I slightly wonder about your mind that comes up with the the ideas that can 
lead to these kind of uh, well, insane... Well, we saw the, the Clash of Kings 19 uh, come in, and you saw you can access so many super cheap dragons so yep. easily. And I went, well, this is a bad idea. This shouldn't have been done. <laughs> um, I should probably show them why it shouldn't be done. And then I had the money. I realised I could buy a hundred zombies for about a tenner, <laughs> and I did it. And you, it's, uh, it's quite a lot of painting, but I've done it. And you've uh, strong toned a lot of them. Oh yes, covered in it. Covered in it. <laughs> you just bought the the, oh, the yes, world's armour It's, it's, it's a walking advertisement. Amazing. So you get at this point, you're so you've worked out that you're you're number two in the rankings, which is yeah. fine. It's not going to give you number one because you haven't done enough two days, right? No, I need to do more weekend tournaments for that. More it's, weekend it's, tournaments. It's not really possible. So are you coming to Masters? Yeah, yes I am, yeah. You're, you're set for I Masters. might take something actual good for that. You're a proper army yeah, for that one. An actual army, yeah. But Clash of Kings you can't make? No, I mean Centre Parks instead, which is... Centre Parks like, is... Like uh, a holiday camp, which is like a prison camp, however it's good. <laughs> it, it contains uh, massage parlours and bicycles. Yeah, it's like, 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 like river rapids and stuff like that. Yeah. Stuff it's, like it's, that. It's actually nice. Have you been to Battle Masters before? Yeah. The uh, Battlemaster's a weird one. Battlemaster, last time I came, I took, I bought the uh, Abyssal Archfiend. Yep. Purely because I thought it looked good. And I thought, I saw Battlemaster and I thought, actually, I want to use it. So I'll buy some Touch of Souls. And I used the Touch of Souls. And then I ended up making the entire Abyssal Army and I have 4K of Abyssal. So that's all Battlemaster's fault. Wow, <laughs> Battlemaster's is the reason you have 4K of yeah. Abyssal. And it's also why now I have an entire Undead Army. I've got, like I said, uh, 100 zombies for about 10. Eh? Which is more expensive than the amount it costs to base it. Right. Basing the army costs more than it does to actually buy the army. And then I also bought a bunch of silver dragons for about £5 a piece. What? Super cheap, decent size. Uh, they're alright. And then I got the frost ones from uh, Reaper Bones. Yep, Reaper Bones is always a classic choice. Yeah, and now the bigger versions of the Revenants. And then I borrowed two more dragons, so now I have seven dragons. Jeez. How many armies do you have out of interest? Uh, only a, a human army, the Abyssal army. Elves, obviously. Technically an undead army, and now the, yeah, the elf army. So what's your plans? Have you got any plans for your master's army yet? Or are you uh, just... Uh... It, abyssals are just the strongest. So I'm probably going to go Abyssals. Is that because of the COP19 rule set? or? Yeah, elves keep getting hit more and more and more. They were never really as good as the other elf army. They're never really as good as quite a lot of other Twilight armies. King. Yeah, they, they work because you can exploit certain things and they don't really have that anymore because they've just chipped away at it. And the humans are quite good, but they're not as good as the Bissels and the Bissels are my shit. That's, that's your stuff. You like the elite armies, don't you? It's kind of a, when you're yeah. good at because board control is your thing, right? Yeah, and the Bissels do that far better than most times in the game because you're running your, your well, your Pazuzu, your Archfiend, and that's all you need. All that kind of stuff. Everything else is just flavour. All right, well, let's get into the pub. We've arrived and uh, good luck for tomorrow. Hey, beer. There we go. Beer. All right, so that sets the scene a little bit and it certainly set Dan's head for Saturday morning. Um, so um, we get into the game. So uh, I think let's go through our list a little bit. So, John, what did you bring? Um, I brought the uh, uh, illustrious uh, Basilians. Um, I mean, you faced uh, uh, the army, I think it was back at uh, the Shroud of the Reaper. Yeah, I faced your filthy Basilean list. Uh, you know, it's relatively friendly to most people. Um, but it was uh, basically uh, uh, an improvement on that or uh, additional units on that. Um, keeping with the tradition that is the Basilians at the moment is to take the two formations. Um, so I had a lot of uh, uh, Lohi hordes, so two Lohi hordes and an Aralohi, um, all with Vicious. 
and two knight regiments and Nairs, with the knights being elite, which gave me a lot of hitting power in uh, a few units. Um, and then bolstered that out a, a little bit like I did at Shroud of the Reaper with a, a couple of uh, Gurpanther troops, two wizards for a little bit of magical support in terms of healing and some bane chant. Um, another row of Alohi, because you could never have enough Alohi, um, and a regiment of Alohi um, with a smattering of items in there. Um, the main guys is just to to hit people hard and fast and hope there's nothing left uh, by the time I finish. So this is a, basically a Basilean flying circus, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, without the clowns. Without now, the clowns. I, oh, God, no clowns. Now, now I, I kind of have to point out at this point, without going into any details, you said the words hitting power and naeus in the same sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just leave that there for now. Oh, jeez. Oh, and incidentally, for anyone who, who's at uh, all curious, uh, Steve had it correct. It is Basilean. As, as as said by Alessio, the creator of the uh, Basileans. Ah, you go. heard it here first. I heard an interview with Ronnie, Ronnie who says whatever you whatever you care to say. He doesn't care. But yeah, but, but 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 he likes to call armies night crawlers. <laughs> so John, how did you find it? Because this is a two thousand five hundred point tournament. Um, with Basileans, were you traditionally quite an elite force? Did you find it quite hard to come up with a list? Was it okay? You know, how did you kind of balance that? Um, I mean, coming up with a force wasn't hard. Funnily enough, with an elite army, uh, all the points seem to disappear before you realise it. Um, but I've always been one of those people who, you know, it's a mixture of, you know, what works well for an army, but also what I I like the look of and, and what I have painted as well has a big effect on, the, on these things. So, you know, um, it was quite easy getting a two and a half thousand point list together. Um, it just ended up with like tweaks. I mean, I, I have to say, I, I struggle with things like... Um, like phoenixes, I have always seemed to find that I'm charging with them, and I'm wondering why I'm doing it. But you know, that's just me. Yeah. So 100% mantic, your army? Um, 100% mantic, bar two miniatures. So we had. I did not have a miniature for a mounted wizard. Fair enough. So the, it's worth saying, isn't it? Both of you were kind of banking on winning this tournament, right? Because neither of you at the beginning had actually bought a ticket for Clash of Kings. And as we were there at the tournament, the tickets were slowly selling out. So by, I think, round two, there was two tickets left. Yeah, so on the uh, Friday night, I was like, OK, I'm, I'm going to see if I win. And then the tickets were going down and down and down. And there was like five tickets left. I was like, fine, I'll buy a ticket now. Yes. But, John, you you weren't quite as smart, right? <laughs> um, smart. I, I think. I think the word was. Uh, I was committed. Um, ah, if I'm, okay. You know, if I've, I've got a plan, you know, I'm that stubborn that I'm going to stick with it. Fair enough. And uh, okay, there we are. So, Dan, uh, what did you bring? So I bought Empire of Dust, and it had herd allies. And the whole reason for all that is because normally my Empire of Dust, as people who've seen the earlier uh, uh, used at other tournaments, is that it's Umberhulks. But pretty much none of it's Mantic, or very little, just because I fancied Umberhulks. So I was like, hmm. I was going to bring on Dead. I submitted them, in fact. And then one day before the deadline, I was like, all right, if I use this, this, and this unit, actually, I can just about do it. But I have to, I have to take Herd Allies, which which were Mantics. So, yeah, it's it's a bit it's a bit of a mishmash. But it did get me to 90-odd percent on the Mantic uh, amount. So I was like, fine. Okay, so I had three Hordes of Enslaved Guardians. Now, they come with uh, Windblast automatically. However, all mine were upgraded with Weakness 2. Uh, one of them had Brew of Haste and one of them had Potion of the Caterpillar 
Um, they were designed to go with the monolith, which I also uh, took, because who doesn't like weakness four? Three lots of it. Have you taken um, the monolith really, before? No, it was the first time I'd ever filled up a monolith. I was like, actually, that sounds kind of cool. It's the first time I ran weakness. Weakness was so good on those guardians, I didn't actually use windblast all week or all, all, all day. Um, so, for those who know, the the monolith adds two to every spell, right within it, uh, non-legendary spell, right? Yes, which was handy on all three of those units. I had a regiment of scavengers, nice bit of chaff. I had the soul snare, which is a bit good. Might not be quite as good in third edition. Sorry, guys. But that was also uh, obviously buffed by the uh, monolith because drain life 12, 18 inch range, that's that's quite useful. Uh, I had a bone dragon. Um, I had a pharaoh with wings. I had mortar breasts because stealth bubbles are good. And I had uh, Aphis, uh, champion of death, uh, Pappy, as uh, most of us say. He's a nice big titan uh, uh, dragon gribbly thing. Uh, my allies, I had a horde of lichens, uh, a nice beast pack, and the centaur chief. Now, those allies were quite useful because the lichens gave me something that could keep up with dragons and such. It could nip around flanks, it could ignore terrain. Great. Beast pack, more chaff. Combined with the scavengers, having the extra chaff was useful. And in fact, the centaur, he performs multiple roles from uh, stopping things like dragons and such. Uh, for a turn at least and, and but also just throwing a bit of damage out there which is great when you've got things like the uh, soul snare to potentially finish the job so yeah it's it's a nice little list it's, it's, it's designed basically around the uh, monolith really the uh, guardians all stayed close and in fact the ones with the brew of haste deployed behind it they had to have the brew of haste to actually get past it otherwise they didn't quite have enough movement so that's why i had that and the potion of the caterpillar i, I honestly just had 20 points left over it was like okay that's always useful. There was quite a lot of terrain, wasn't there, on, on, on the... Yeah, reasonable, reasonable. Uh, not as much as uh, R- R- Rob Fanouf had at uh, BCB, but no, a decent amount. Uh, it wasn't a huge amount of obstacles, but, you know, a reasonable amount. But, yeah, actually, the Caterpillar potion was, was handy. So, yeah, that's my uh, list. It's interesting you say about the Stealth Bubble, because I was fully expecting to come to this tournament and to face giant hordes of shooting. I was expecting at least one person to bring just millions of goblins and just shoot people 2500 points can get you a lot of goblins but i didn't i didn't face an enormous amount of shooting did you guys no 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 not a huge amount there was some but my army was frankly enough to uh, reduce it when i did come across any amount so it wasn't too bad um i'm lying i I did face a lot of shooting (laughs) um but we'll get to that in the first game i think okay cool so um i bought my rack in um and let's see, I had... So I'm not as good as you guys, right? So I knowing that, I, plus I kind of designed my army because I was told I'm facing Tom Robinson in the first round, which I actually didn't, right? So I was told he had lots of flies. And basically I just needed an army that I could manage because rats is a lot, of, a lot of units. And in the short time that we had, it was going to be a problem for me. So I just bought loads of stuff that would gum people up and then some stuff to sit behind it and shoot. And that was the whole ethos of my army. So I had a horde and two regiments of tunnel slaves. I had four hordes of blight. One of them had brew of strength, one had a hammer of measured force, and two of them were kind of vanilla. A horde of shock troops with brew of sharpness. And then sitting behind all of that, I had three claw shots, three weapon teams, a warlock with bane charm, alchemist curse, 
Um, two swarm criers, one with the diadem, one with the loot, and then the demon spawn. So I was basically my intent was to get the blight into some terrain, sit them there, and then just try and mop up anything that tried to get past them. And that was that was my list. All right. That's a lot of hordes, though. I mean, it was. Did you find it was tricky to get them across the board, as in, you know, width-wise, or is it quite easy to deploy them? It wasn't. It wasn't so bad, actually. I think I misdeployed in in one of the games. Um, but actually, once you get used to playing with hordes, they're not quite as tricky as, as 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 people think. I think when you start to play, it's actually quite. You need to give yourself room. So if you've got a horde. You've, like of slaves that you've pushed forward you need to give at least three to four inches behind them for your next horde because otherwise you're going to get really caught up in bounce backs and turns and all that kind of stuff but the width of the you know a six by four table is actually pretty massive and as long as you kind of stack them because the whole point of the army is that great you've come into a horde of slaves or a regiment of slaves and cleared it off here's another horde you've cleared that one here's another horde so you kind of checkerboard deploy them um, and just kind of feed them to the enemy as you're as you're as you're going forward. So it's not been that much of a an issue once you get used to it. When I started playing rats, it was a massive issue, and I had loads of problems because it just takes it's just a style that takes getting used to. I think. But yeah, yeah, and and in fact, with practice, it's very viable. Um, Simon Clifford, for example, he took a really high unit strength rat kid army to Clash of Kings last year, and came second. So it's it's actually pr- pretty damn scary if if you know what you're doing with it. Yeah, and I would have taken more shock troops, but they are pretty expensive. And actually, the, the whole theme of the... I was expecting to face loads of shooting, so I put loads of blight, and um, I didn't. But, you know, it, it, it still kind of filled the function because they've all got ensnare. People running into them generally bounce off. I say generally. Um, and it, it kind of works on that principle. They're, they're a lot more durable than people think. They're all dash 21. You know, they're not waverable, so it works pretty well, he says. So... Um, Game one. So game one was Sharad's special scenario. And I'll try and, shall I try and briefly <laughs> explain the scenario? So there are two tokens each, which are objectives, but are actually loot. And uh, your opponent places them on your half, you place them on your opponent's half. And the idea is to pick up the ones on your own half, the other ones are worthless to you. When you're carrying them, they're worth one point. And if you get them over the opponent's edge of the board, you're allowed to go off the edge of the board, you get three points. And then your unit can come back on. Uh, the following turn but you have to win the scenario by two right so that was the the principle of it um and the way sharon explained it was he wanted lots of draws is what he said in 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 round one Um, because the fact of the matter if you deploy it behind a piece of terrain it's incredibly hard to get it over the edge right um but the funny thing is that i finished my game and coming back in I, Dan, you walked over to Sherrod and went, hey, Sherrod, can individuals carry these? And he went, yeah. And I said, excuse me, what? And about seven people around us went, excuse me, what? And nobody realised that individuals could carry them, which made them a lot easier. I was actually pretty certain you could uh, because I'd, well, I'd read the rules pack and it didn't say individuals <laughs> couldn't. And so I, I was... I was because they weren't actually popping loot tokens per se. So per the rules of the scenario, they could, but no one expected it. So, yeah. You could also surge them, you can wind blast them, you know, slightly different rules, right? You could, you could. And that was the principle of, uh, of Tom's army that we just heard about. You know, the zombie railgun was to put a token on it and then railgun it across the board. So it makes kind of sense. All right, John, so tell us about your first game. Um, well, my first game was against uh, a chap I haven't played before, Alistair Vols. Um, <laughs> as I alluded to earlier, 
Um, I did face a shooting army, and this is the one. Um, I don't know if you saw on on Facebook the the, the pictures of his army, the the Twilight Kin uh, that were. I, I, I think they're airbrushed. I, I'm not a particularly good hobbyist, but I think they're airbrushed. There's some lovely like multi basing etc. on there. Did, did you guys see them? Yeah, I did. Yeah, it was really nice. I mean, it, it was a beautiful looking army. Um, um, <laughs> typically with these things as well, it's because they're so nice looking and they're so well painted, um, but they're not using miniatures you're used to. I had to <laughs> second guess everything that he was going to be bringing. Um, but uh, the army he was using was was Twilight Kin with some forces of nature allies. He started with uh, two regiments of Bray Hunters. Um, so these are the shooting cavalry, uh, nimble, bows, only 12 attacks, but um, they're good there just to, to keep hassling you, uh, keep manoeuvring out of the way and keep pinging those wounds on. A Pegasus, which is ridiculously cheap for essentially a scoring unit. Um, it's 80 points. Um, it flies. Uh, it's great for picking up tokens, which I'll tell you about in a bit. Um, and that was it on, on the um, ally side. With the Twilight Kin, he took two regiments of Buccaneers, um, so these are the, the short-range throwing weapons, um, 12 shots each, uh, uh, again, being Twilight in the Vicious. Um, a good all-round unit, not particularly tough, but they can do a bit of damage in combat, they can do a bit of damage in shooting. Uh, the obligatory two Gargoyle Chaff units, um, Abyssal Riders, uh, these ones came with a potion of the Caterpillar, uh, so they were going to be a, a good counter-puncher, um, especially once you've, you've engaged. Uh, <laughs> dark sized chariots. I mean, uh, you, uh, Steve, you know Grant Alexander. He, he takes more than as many units as he possibly can. I think I've just seen him painting up another horde of dark sized chariots for 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 um, Clash of Kings. That guy loves his chariots. He does. He, I, I've <laughs> I've played him. I think now in uh, the last few tournaments, I think I've played him. I think three times. I think I've got the upper hand by one game, um, but it's been close every single time. And I hate those chariots. They, I mean, <laughs> when you when they roll forward, combined with another like a, a chariot unit and a lightning bolt from the dragons, they just ping wounds all the time. Um, she then had two dragon breaths. Um, so you can see how I forgot this has got a lot of shooting in it. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> and then he's got uh, two black dark lords and black dragons. You know, another two lightning bolt fives. Uh, and then the only thing I think that doesn't shoot is the. Um, the Hydras. So he's taken the Hydra formation. So this is where a Hydras normally get the number of attacks equal to the damage on them. Um, but these guys would get the damage on each of them. So um, if one of them is wounded by uh, taking eight damage and the other one's taken five, both of them will get an extra 13 attacks. So that was an interesting combination. Um, I don't know. I, I, I like this list. It doesn't have many magic items in there, um, but it does have a, a lot of flexibility. Um, so when we when we got to the table, um, Alice is a great chap. I said I've never played him before. Um, uh, we've got this new scenario. Um, we set up the tokens wrongly to start off with, but then we managed to get it right. Um, and I kind of set my army up in two two blocks. I mean, uh, my army works well when I focus on areas. So um, I split between two sides of the table: um, uh, the Alohi hordes uh, and the knights. So I've got two hard-hitting units with a bit of a, a variety on either side, chaff on either side, so that you know uh, I'm able to block up or, or take some tokens. 
Um, and he spread his army right across the tabletop, um, just basically balancing out all his shooting. Um, the one thing of note was that he put his his dragons just behind his army, um, which is good. It, it stops me being able to target those guys, but it does mean that his effective range is then lowered so that I can then move up a little bit closer to his other unit so I can get ready to charge because that's what I'm looking for right from the start is who can I hit, kill, and then reform around. Now, um, I got the first turn, so I had the opportunity to move my units into position. Um, I, I lined up a lot of key charges um, on the basis that I knew that he's probably going to want to just dodge out of the way, uh, shoot me a bit before I have an opportunity uh, um, to charge him. But this is one of the things I think with his army is that he's got a lot of short range um, breath attacks. So we've got talking, you know, the, uh, the two Twilight Dragon breaths and the um, uh, the uh, what they call the Buccaneers. Uh, so he's got those and he wants to use them. So he wants to get in and, uh, and start causing some damage on my units before they come in. Now, he does do a bit of damage, um, but not enough. And that meant in the second turn, my second turn, I was able to charge in. And I think it ended up being, I think five of his units were eliminated, you know, just cleared off the tabletop. Ouch. So that was, yeah. I mean, that was his chariots. That was, I think, one of the dragon breaths. Um, one of the, uh, or two of the cavalry units, or one of the cavalry units, the other one was... Um, uh, was wavered um uh, one of the, the it was just it was just gave me the opportunity just to get into his army uh, and really start to cause some i mean you know what those alohi hordes are uh, are like as soon as they hit they hit stuff and it dies um uh having said that I, I think i actually hit a gargoyle troop with one of the alohi regiments and it took them two turns to kill the thing because <laughs> they kept one in double ones but then you know these are the things that happen and then they regen most of their wounds because they regen three plus and yeah yeah, exactly. I was almost tempted to throw some like uh, uh, some Gerb Panthers into the flank, but then I felt, you know, uh, if I do that, I'm always kind of like succumbing to the fact that these Alohi aren't good enough. And that's not what my army's about. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, on top of this, it had to be said, that, uh, you know, I think Alistair, he's a, he's a good player, but he was just a bit rusty coming in. So he just, um, you know, sometimes where you, you just don't see angles, etc. He just missed a couple of points, which is, you know, it happens to all of us. Um, and also his his dice were poor, whereas mine were red hot. You know, when you when you start rolling those uh, uh, nerve checks, you know you can easily get like a three or a four when you don't need it. So a unit holds, and then I get flanked. Everything just seemed to just uh, come together. Um, now that's all great. So I'm I'm doing lots of damage to, the, to his army. Um, I haven't actually picked any tokens up at this point in time, um, but he has. He's picked up one of the tokens on his side of the tabletop with the Pegasus, which I've already told you, great unit for picking up picking up tokens, and he's manoeuvring himself around a, uh, an impassable piece of terrain. Now, I'm leaving him to you know, to do what he does best, um, clear off of that token, because I think, in the back of my mind, that doesn't count as anything, because I'm thinking that the tokens on his side of the table are the ones I'm trying to grab and then take off the edge of the table. Um it's only, I think, around about turn four when this Pegasus is within 10 inches of the edge of my uh, table uh, that he t I turn around and go, you know, why, why are you doing that? And he went, well, that's the token that you know, I need to take. I mean, if I take that off, I, I get a draw automatically. And I went, no, it isn't. <laughs> and at that point, I then have to pause the clock, look at the rules, and then, you know, if you could take a picture of my, my face, it was like, ah, yes, hmm. I'm not going to be winning a Clash of Kings ticket with these kind of tactics. Um so <laughs> it's at this point where I panic a lot. Um, see, this Pegasus is, is going to be one turn away from getting him a guaranteed draw. Um, 
and it requires one of the one of the wizards who just happens to be close enough to fireball him and the the blizzard Orolohi, you I mean never leave home without him um, manages to shoot them uh, shoot the little like uh, uh, flying Pegasus and causing enough damage that I need to roll a seven um, and kill him in one shot and <laughs> I mean I think that was the story of the day for me I think but uh, killed him I picked up the rest of their tokens, hadn't got a chance to get into the other side of the table um, because I got the wrong ones. I had to reverse my army back just to actually get the ones that were relevant to me. Um, but it ended up being a, a, a total whitewash. Um, I think he only had a couple of units left. Uh, it was a 20 nil, um, but a lot. Of, <laughs> I, was, uh, I was cursing my own incompetence, I think. Well, I guess that's kind of a tactic, actually, isn't it? If you don't, just don't care about getting it off the board, all you want to do is just grab all the tokens. Effectively, what you're playing is is like scavenge or, 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 or an objective-grabbing game or a loop, right? So it's it works as a tactic, as long as you can get the tokens. Yeah, if it, you want to draw, anyway. Yeah, exactly, if you didn't want to draw. <laughs> cool, so 20, 20 noughts, reasonably strong start, it's fair to say. Dan, how did you do? I'll, 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 I'll tell you. So I, I was facing uh, Andrew Laycock, and he had elves. He had dragons. He had three dragons. Not wimpy worms or something, but proper elven dragons. Proper Two dragons. kindred lords and a mystical dragon kindred lord. That had the boots of levitation, so it could move 20 and do a fireball 15 elite. Painful stuff. Uh, one of the basic ones had dwarven ale. Um, one had Brew of Haste, so that was something to watch out for. He also had Draken Riders Horde with Brew of Sharpness, because, yeah, let's kill any unit in the game in one go, sure. Yeah, two Hordes of Archers with Piercing and Jargon Four Winds. 13-inch range, very nice. Forest Shambler Chaff, useful. Stormwind Cavalry with Brew of Strength, nice. And two Elven Mages, one with Fireball and Shroud of the Saint. Uh, so, I mean, that's heal as well. So, heal six. Um, the other one with Blizzard and the Inspiring Talisman. So, it was quite shooty. It was very hitty. Uh, powerful combined arms sort of army. Um, now, this was quite interesting. Andrew and I were quite careful initially. However, the one interesting thing is uh, he grabbed one of his tokens with his uh, forest shamblers, but he just left the other one where I'd placed it behind a uh, impassable uh, tower. Um, I grabbed both of mine with guardian hordes uh, straight away. Uh, and now at this point, I was throwing out weaknesses onto his shooting uh, to reduce it a bit. And combined with the stealth bubble as well, it really uh, neutered it. He, he did do some, but then I was like healing it back with the um, casket of souls. Uh, sorry, the uh, soul snare. Apologies. So uh, it wasn't doing a huge amount. Um, so I I grabbed those and uh, I ended up getting into his forest shamblers and having another token. So it, it was going reasonably well. Um, obviously, his drakens then decided to get stuck in. Uh, they slaughtered my uh, guardian horde in one go. That was fine. I was expecting it. Um, the other one and my uh, pappy sort of turned around. Uh, I'd managed to sneak a centaur around as well. So, you know, bish, bash, bosh. 20 damage on the drakens, all the tokens for me. No, no, I rolled double one. Uh, double ones, as as always, 
very unpleasant. So it meant that I wasn't able to take the tokens. Now, I, I, I really needed them. Uh, in fact, I needed it on my uh, Centaur because the idea was, because, of course, I was fully aware that individuals could take it because that's what Rules Pack said. Uh, well, it, it didn't, but it didn't say we couldn't, if you see what I mean. So the plan was the Centaur would grab it, it'd run towards his board edge. There was nothing going to stop him, uh, most likely. Maybe a bit of breath, but he'd probably be fine. But I double-wanded it. I mean, it not only meant I didn't get the tokens, but the dracons then survived. They went on to kill my monolith. They went on to kill my lichens. Huge, huge swing of horribleness. But on the other side, now this is quite interesting, my other guardians had grabbed the tokens straight away and they sort of headed over towards those storming cavalry. And we sort of we watched each other a little bit, but then I chaffed up the cavalry with my um, beast pack um, and then eventually got the Guardians into the cavalry. They, they fought a bit, and the uh, Guardians won. But they took a bit of shooting damage, and for one turn, I needed my Soul Snare to do something. It healed, like, one damage on them. The next turn, when they're out of range, I healed six damage. But that wasn't very helpful, because at that point, that was the only tokens I had. I had his, and I had mine, and they were running for the board edge on ten damage. Uh, I was like, okay, I need to really slow down the shoot. I need to do something. So I put them behind the tower, sneaking towards the board edge, uh, and I ran Mortibris over there. I actually had to double move him to get him in range, so it meant no no casting that turn. So I couldn't heal him, which is why the soul snare failing was catastrophic. So then on uh, Andrew's turn, he, he, he actually had to move his uh, elves to actually get line of sight on him, and then he had stealthy. So he was hitting on, uh, he was halving his attacks and hitting on sixes. But it didn't matter. Still does damage, and he killed those guardians, leaving my tokens just sitting there, uh, not that far from his board edge. Uh, and at that point, because I'd failed with the other ones, Andrew was like, "Oh, well, it's it's, it's going to be a draw, then, isn't it?" And I was like, "Well," and uh, he was like, "Hmm." So it got back to my turn. I ran Mortabris over to those tokens, at which point he was like, "What are you doing?" So at that point, we we had to confirm with Showered that individuals could indeed pick them up. Um, it's kind of a shame, really, because obviously Andrew wasn't actually aware. I spoke with Shard and he was like, well, I don't want to spell out to people that individuals is your best bet. But I said to him, well, you're better off just just saying that outright. Anyway, Mortabris ran over and then ran off the board. So Necromancer won the game for me. Nice. I think, yeah, at the end of the day... It's a, you know if you read the rules pack you read the rules pack right I think- I, I'd read it and 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 he hadn't uh, but I mean it was kind of irrelevant I was going to do it anyway the fact that he didn't know I was going to do that well it was it was irrelevant I was I was uh, uh, yeah I, I'd do it either way but of course that double one I mean it cost me so many units and it cost me a lot of points I won the game but I didn't kill nearly enough because things died and such and it turns out later in the tournament that a few extra points would have been quite useful. But it may also have given me uh, different matchups, so who knows that would have changed things. But yeah, great game, and uh, dodging three dragons was uh, quite a challenge. <laughs> yeah, as I found out later in the tournament. Um, so, my first game was against Rob Phipps and his Spartans with Macedonian allies. And, and actually, I recorded an interview with Rob immediately after our game, so uh, let's have a quick listen to that. All right. So we've just, um, I'm here with Rob Pips. Hi, Rob. Hi there, Steve. <laughs> now I'm going to try and describe to you what Rob is wearing right now. So we have uh, some sandals, a, a leather kilt, leatherette kilt, 
um, <laughs> plastic six-pack abs, and uh, you, you've not got the helmet and the shield and sword outside, but you've got the red cloak on. Yes. So, so uh, <laughs> Rob is my first round opponent. Um, and what's this in aid of? Well, this, this dressing as my king. <laughs> <laughs> so you're playing Spartans. I am, yes. With Macedonian allies. Yes. At 2,500 points. Correct. Correct. Um, so quickly go through your list, see what terms we've got. I've got uh, two hordes of Spartan spearmen, upgraded with elite and headstrong. Right. Uh, I've got uh, one regiment of Royal Guard mm -hmm. with a uh, brew of courage. I've got one Spartan king. The king! The king! Uh, <laughs> he's my only, uh, uh, hold on, he's my inspiring and also rallying model. Yep. I've got a musician with rallying uh, with Bane Chant 2. Got uh, another musician. Uh, another musician. He's a Macedonian musician, though. Oh right, okay. Uh, hence, you had to take a Macedonian uh, allied character right, got it. in the tournament pack. Um, uh, a unit of winged warriors, which are exactly the same as a regiment of uh, Alohi or a horde of Alohi uh, with uh, elite. Yep, gross. Um, a unit of elephants. Yep, we love them. Regiment of elephants. Beautiful models as well, really, really nice. Um, a regiment of companion cavalry, which are the Macedonian slot to release the elephants right. and also the character slot. Yeah, and um, they're nimble cavalry, aren't they? They are nimble elite cavalry, so they're pretty pretty tasty. Very punchy. Um, but again, they're only defence four. Mm. Uh, I got had a unit of... Skirmishers? Skirmishers, well, well Thracian Peltas, which is slightly better than Skirmishers, because okay. they hit them for in a combat. Okay. Um, they're also uh, part of the Allied faction. Uh, what else did I have in that army? I had a, a unit of normal uh, cavalry, cavalry, which is a bit like a mounted sergeant unit. Yeah. You know, seven attacks. It was a troop, wasn't it? Thunderous one troop of them. Yep. Yeah. So we um and a, and a giant. Oh, and the giant. How could we forget the giant? The giant yeah. So um, let's talk about the uh, the game a little bit. So basically, your whole army is kind of defense five, elite melee with twenty five nerve, or plus. Yeah. Yeah. Starts off at uh, twenty three plus the rallying everywhere. Unbelievable. So. Pretty, pretty tough to chew through. And facing off against that was a bunch of Defence 3 rats with ensnare. Yes. So, so there was a lots, of, lots of shouts of, hitting on fours with ensnare? <laughs> so uh, those are the, because the, then your uh, foot guard, whatever they're called, uh, they hit on threes, threes with sharpness. Hit on two with re-rolling ones. So even over terrain into ensnare still hitting on fours. Yes. Gr with 30 attacks. Yes, elite. Crush one. Elite. Uh, well, Bane charted with the crush one. Right, so my whole plan was basically to try and gum you up with rats. Yes. And so by, I, I, I over-deployed on the right-hand flank. Yes, you did, yeah. Because I saw the elephants and I thought, they're going to need killing. Yeah, um, but they're, they're not, they only hit the four, yeah, yeah. and they've only got 18 attacks, so... It's a bit stupid. I, I, intimidated by the gorgeous models is what I was, and by your six-pack, which is yes. now hanging off slightly. I oh, yeah, well, yes, <laughs> I need to uh, address that. Um, so I, I put two hordes of blight on the right-hand flank behind um, some slaves. Which is too many hordes really for what you had there. Yes, you didn't um, need that at all. I didn't need that. So actually, you kind of you were bitter, and you put them, your Alohi into my uh, shock troops pretty early. Yeah, put some wounds on them, and then the Alohi got wiped off. But by, and that's right. And this was a key moment. So you don't multi-charge both hordes of infantry into my uh, horde of slaves. Doing thirty-six wounds. Thirty-six wounds, and then double one, double, double one. <laughs> one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which was um, a bit critical, really. So then you needed another turn to take them off, by which time I'd killed off the Alohi and so on and so forth. But the, my, my centre crumpled. Um, but we worked out pretty pretty far. About turn three or four, we looked at where the tokens were. This is Sherrod's scenario, where you have to pick up the token on your side and take it off the other end of the board. And um, There wasn't movement enough left no, to do it. Neither no. of us could do it. We both put them behind terrain because we're not stupid. Um, so it was 
a thoroughly pointless exercise, yes. really. So the rest of it was just kind of shooting off and see what we could shoot. And yes. it did in a draw. It did, it did, yes. It was a good draw. Yeah. It was a good draw. With a couple of points of attrition in it. But uh, good game. Yeah, a good game, you know. Good game. Spartans held firm. So, yeah. Um, you don't. You, you normally play. You play. I played you at uh, Shroud of the Reaper with uh, Trident Run, right? Yeah, Trident Run's my new army. Mm. Um, but my uh, my sort of go-to tournament army used to be Abyssal Dwarves, but I've played them to death now. So yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, you've left Simon Cooper to be the lead Abyssal Dwarf player, which seems he's very pleased. <laughs> yes. Well, I haven't really played them much. I've played them uh, once actually in a tournament so far this year, just a thousand pointer. Oh yeah. Um, so that's all I've done. Fair enough. You know, re- I've sort of retired them for the moment. <laughs> I got, they play the same. They, you know, yeah, just, yeah. just get bored of playing the same thing. Off. So are you a bit disappointed that historicals won't be in version three to start with? Um, not really, because just they'll come at some point. They'll, 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 they'll amend it at some point. At some I guess. point. Looking yeah, forward so to that. They, they said they're going to amend everything. So cool. You're going to be at Clash of Kings. I am. Yes, I, do, I just bought my ticket last night. Actually, after <laughs> I, I noticed that there are only seven left. Yeah, there's only two left now. Ah, and they may well. So it was a uh, sense because everyone was like, "Damn, damn, better buy it, better buy it, better buy it." Including Dan King, who bought it drunk last night because he was hoping to win this tournament. But given his face this morning, given how much he had to drink, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Well, John Quayle was hoping to win this tournament for the ticket. For the as ticket well. as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's got some. Well, with, with Tom Robinson here, I don't think it's particularly. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. He's got the old uh, Alohi flying circus there. He does, and he's facing off against seven dragons. Is that Tom's army? Tom's army. Uh, it's uh, three, three revenants on worms. Three of them great. Three flying revenants on worms and Apathis, six regiments of zombies and one horde of zombie trolls. Wow! It's a dumb army. Yes. But he's like, no, it's not dumb. But his idea <laughs> is he, he wants to create a railgun of zombies. So he puts a zombie with a token at one end, and yep. then he lines his seven surges up, and he just surges them all the way across the board, off over the table edge. Right. So that's his plan, and it, it worked in the first game. But he was playing a, unfortunately, he got drawn against a, a Jacob, I think, who's never been to a tournament before. He's been playing for years. So Tom Robinson got an easy win then. Yeah, basically twenty yeah, yeah. So uh, is that uh, there you go happens. But um, one of those things. Anyway, uh, good luck for the rest of the tournament. Yeah, you too. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. So that was a that was a a, a fun, it was a fun experience. Maybe it was fun because every time he hit something, we just scream Spartan on the top of our voice to annoy everyone in the room. Uh, but that was funny and um, ninety hits. So but then. Uh, <laughs> He, uh, the funniest bit was when he uh, he sent both hordes of killing infantry into my slaves and double won them on 36 damage. So that, was a, <laughs> that was a good laugh. I don't think he was best impressed, especially since he was like, can I have my tournament re-roll? Because we were joking, yes. because he'd come in an outfit, he could have a tournament re-roll. And I was like, I wasn't serious about the tournament re-roll. I don't think he was very impressed. I th- he deserved one though. Come on, I mean, he literally, what you know, bare chested, you know, yeah, with yeah. the entire kit on. I didn't even know. I travelled up with this man, and literally, <laughs> he just he walked through the door. And I, where did that come from? <laughs> <laughs> I was, oh, yeah. there you go. No, no sportsmanship awards for me for being a, a grumpy git. Anyway, it was a draw. It was going to be. We worked out. I think early turn four. It was a draw because there was nothing either of us could do. It was stupid. Anyway, there you go. So that was that. Um, on to game two. So game two was, um, it was just the, um, uh, it was an objective-based scenario, wasn't it? So it was three objectives on each side of the table. You placed your own objectives um, on the opposite side of the table. If you captured your objectives, in inverted commas, you got two points. If you captured their objectives, you got one point for each of those. Was that yes. one? Yes. Yeah, 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 that was the one. Okay, so uh, uh, John, who did you face? Well, um, it's worth pointing out at this point in time that having done so well in the previous round and knowing what other opponents were out there, I, I was half dreading who I was going to actually face in this next round. But um, 
what it turned out, um, I ended up playing uh, the lovely Bob um, with his Mahu tribe, uh, his lovely ogres that he's uh, spent a long time painting. I mean, there was there was over what five thousand points of his ogres actually at the tournament, wasn't there? They were beautiful, and it's worth also saying that Bob was the only person the night before who was more drunk than Dan. Well, that's debatable. But they also <laughs> went went to bed earlier. They didn't have over five thousand points though, because that'd be cheating. Uh, he had two and a half thousand, and Jan had the other two and a half thousand. Quite, quite specifically, yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, I did I, when, when they went to uh, do the army parade and put all the all the army, well, both of those together to get five thousand points. I can't remember who was playing the next, and then she went, "Am I actually having to play that many units?" I think it was John Guns. <laughs> I think out of this battle report, and just went. That seems like a lot of units for two and a half thousand points. Hmm. Hmm. They, they were beautifully painted. And I think it was a shame because um, they kind of missed, they were at the back of the room and some people kind of missed how really gorgeous they were and they were kind of wowed by some of the display boards that were there. Yeah, I have to say I did notice and I actually voted for Bob for uh, best painted. As did I, as did I. But he's won painting awards before. It's fine. <laughs> uh, apparently he's never won with his ogres vote. Ah, okay, fair enough. Oh, I was, I was going to say that's my, my excuse for not getting any painting votes um, there at the back of the room. Um, so... <laughs> your army is actually very nice. I've, I've seen your army a couple of times. It's got a really kind of nice heavenly theme. Everyone's on these kind of celestial steps. It's really nice. So you should take some credit. I do. I, do. I, I was quite proud of the army myself. Um, the unfortunate thing is that I, I put my army down and, you know, I've spent a while painting them. And I think I've got them to a good standard. And then Daniel Reed posts some kind of like picture of like a beautifully plated Alohi on like, you know, a converted base. And I just go home and cry, really, because um, I'm never going to get that. Well, Dan, Dan is, he is Daniel Reed and he's a, a special flower in the world of painting, shall we say. So, yeah. Anyway, game one. Game oh, two. Go on. Oh, it's game two, yes. So uh, Bob has brought his lovely Mahu um, tribe. Um, let me run through the list on here. Now, uh, I'm used to playing Ogres a little bit, a little bit more than, actually probably a little bit more than a Twilight Kin, and they're a good army. I always find them tough. Um, so he's taken um, Red Goblins. So he's got two regiments of uh, Red Goblins with bows. Um, he's got two hordes of Hunters, which are going to go into the... Um, I think that actually forms one of the formations. I'm not 100%, but I'm, uh, I'll get to that at some point. Um, and then he has got the Red Goblin Scouts, so two regiments of Red Goblin Scouts. Um, I'm always surprised that these guys don't have bows, um, but, you know, that's what they are. Uh, and then he had three regiments of chariots, one with that Brew of Haste, one with the Potion of the Caterpillar, uh, one Warlord on, uh, on Chariot with a Banner of Griffin, uh, an army standard on a chariot as well with a loot of insatiable darkness. Um, a red goblin bigot with a, the crystal pendant of retribution, which is just mean. <laughs> I, mean it's, I know he's only a red goblin. You could possibly shoot him, but I don't have a large amount of shooting, so I have to hit him with something expensive. Um, and then not not two mammoths, but three mammoths. Two with ballistas, one without. Um, and then the, the two formations. So the Grokomut Scouts, which I think gives Pathfinder. Is it Pathfinder to the... Um, I don't know. You read, you read uh, wrote the rules, Dan. What what they actually give them? I can't remember. Uh, I, I, no, sorry. I, I can't recall. <laughs> That's helpful. It's not um, move, move on. It gives something to something. Yeah. Something to something. Uh, and then he's got the, um, uh, the Hell on Wheels, which gives rallying to his Warlord. Hence why he's given him the um, the banner of the Griffin so that he gets the actual uh, additional like uh, rallying with it. Rallying I mean, too. It's a classic. 
It's a classic. I mean, uh, for the, for me, I mean, it doesn't have a large number of shooters and boomers in here, which you, you tend to face a lot with with the ogres because, uh, I mean, the ogres don't have a lot of heal and uh, reaction to things, especially that a flying army like myself. You, you need to have some kind of shooting so that I can't outmaneuver you. Um, so that kind of gave me a little advantage, kind of going into it, especially since he doesn't have loads of dragons. Um, so. I mean, the, the, the setup was this kind of similar for me. Is that I kind of split my army into into two groups. Um, the objectives I kind of put mine, which were over on his side of the table, um, more onto the right hand side, whereas his were spread a little bit more across the battlefield. Um, I kind of looked at his um, uh, uh, ensnaring hordes. Um, I didn't want to charge those guys. I don't. I don't want to be throwing Elohi hordes and, and knights into something which gives me minus one to hit especially in terrain as well, when I start to get to minus two and Alohi are never going to break anything on a, on a five plus to hit, even with the elite, etc. with them. So he'd put the ensnare hordes down on the right-hand side. I'd put over a, a couple of small units just to kind of like, just tie them up for a little bit um, and then put the Alohi hordes more over onto the, the kind of left-hand side. Now, um, he put the mammoths, which have some of the shooting right in the middle, um, which is one of the threats that I I didn't really want to have uh, him wandering around too far because although they're on fives to hit, because they've got the high piercing, they can cause some damage to my Alohi, they can cause some damage to my knights. Um, so the last thing I want to be doing is having those guys running around too much. Um, so the Alohi hordes are kind of put slightly across from them, plus the Ur Alohi, which are very good units to kind of nip into flanks and get an extra couple of wounds just to, to edge me over because the mammoths, are, they're actually really tough. I mean, I think they've got, is it flat nerve 18? I think something along those lines. Oh, I'll check on his armor list here, actually. Let's have a quick look. Uh, yeah, flat nerve 18, which, is, you know, it means I have to kill him or he's going to be hitting me back. And with 12 attacks, just with, even with just crushing strength two, he's going to be causing some hurt back onto me. So I moved up cautiously and having taken the first turn, um, he, he then responded with a, a similar kind of caution he did throw the big git in front of one of my night units um, trying to tie them up I have to admit at this point in time I didn't realise he had the pendant of retribution but you know it's, you know, you live and learn that is a fun surprise it, it, it is a fun surprise um, and then he threw one of these red goblins in front of the you know trying to chaff up the Alohi um, which they did uh, but then it was only chaff them up so they could get some uh, chariots into me, but then the Gur Panthers, the pets of the Alohi, just uh, managed to uh, charge into the uh, chariots just to hold them down. So essentially what happened is that the, the left-hand flank um, basically killed everything. It, it's, uh, I mean, I was throwing the Alohi hordes against a, a, a regiment of chariots and, the, uh, and these red goblins, and they just, you know, they killed them in, in one strike each. Um, Unfortunately for Bob, what he did is he, he moved his mammoths forward, but in doing so, he angled them slightly, so I was able to get a couple of flank charges in, and I killed a mammoth outright. Um, uh, it, it, it just basically meant that the kind of left and left centre just kind of disappeared very, very quickly, uh, and it kind of left me with uh, just after dealing on the right-hand side with his in, in, ensnaring hordes. Uh, at that point in time, uh, the... The cavalry, one of the cavalry regiments had uh, taken the uh, the exploding big git um, and then taken the chariots to the front, um, which took those guys out. Uh, and I was just basically holding back um, 
one of the the tokens that I'd placed for him was behind a wood and uh, you remember the men at arms, don't you, Steve? The um, the basically the guys who sweep up all the feathers after oh, the battle. Oh, the men at arms that I failed to kill th- a troop of men at arms that I failed to kill three rounds in a go. Oh man! And won you the game. Continue. Uh, yeah, so the, the same men. Um, <laughs> they probably are the same men. They probably yeah. haven't been replaced. I'll, I'll point this out. I think I pointed this out to Dan. Um, I don't think I actually mentioned my arm list. Actually, how how dare I? Uh, essentially, it's just a troop of men at arms, but they. In this tournament, and then lots of games, they win me. Um, they win me just that one extra point that I need to, to win a game. Um, so these guys are just held behind a wood, holding on to this uh, particular objective, uh, seeing the Warlord and Chariot and knowing that they could, you know, they're worth the same unit strength. So if I can just stay here and not die, then I'll, I'll do something. Um, so getting towards like the, the end of the game, um, as I said, the, the Alohi Hordes had like killed all the. All, all the elements in the centre on the left, um, and then there was just uh, two of the ensnaring hunters left. Uh, I managed to kill one with a double charge from the Alohi, uh, and it was just it was just mock up time there. Just um, <laughs> little men at arms survived by just running beyond the wood so they couldn't be charged by the uh, warlord on chariot. Um, and luckily for me, having won the game, I also got two thousand and twenty kill points so that just put me into again uh the 20 nil scenario so after two games i had dropped a single point um uh, and it's looking pretty good very nice how about you dan well i mean it's interesting how you're saying how you fought uh, one half of the uh, mahu tribe because i fought the other half uh i actually played against jan in uh, round two so uh yeah uh, See, now, Bob and Jan, right, they traditionally do the reasonably well in the I mean, first yeah. couple of rounds. They've both got big wins. But they, but they also drink from round one. And I think this has a, a, a coincidental effect on their performance through the, through <laughs> because Jan has a collection of wooden spoons like you wouldn't believe from this year's tournaments. I mean, possibly. But, I mean, I've been to American tournaments and those guys drink all day and they still win big. So, I, I don't know, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Anyway, so, uh, yeah. well, I don't want to get involved in the drinking. Uh, I, I, there's a terrible story, the last Clash of Kings, where I got drunk on the Saturday night and couldn't even play on the Sunday, but that's another wow. story. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I've always been able to play. I uh, may not be uh, running 100%, but I've always been able to play. I, d- I didn't actually say, but against Andrew, obviously, I had that horrible hangover and... I I, I, I apologise, Andrew, for my... Uh, um, uh, death-like visage at the start of the game my word <laughs> it, was, it, it wasn't good it wasn't good it was an hour or so before I actually felt it's all human so yeah Jan um, yeah it, it, it's always great to play Jan um, although by the end of the game she might have disagreed um, yeah so we rolled off uh, oh sorry let me go over a list so she had a lots and lots of ogre infantry early uh, she had a horde of warriors with burst strength uh, she had a horde of berserker braves with sharpness so two very hitty units she had siege breakers with Matt Wars potion uh, she had three hordes of boomers and I faced two hordes of boomers run by Nick before now and they pretty much wiped out half my army um, uh, Jan had both of those one with Blessing of the Gods and one with Chant of Hate but she had a third one with Piercing as well 
And she's like, oh my god, that's so horrible. And then she had a warlock with drain life, um, healing brew. Uh, she had a boomer sergeant with inspiring talisman. Red goblin bigot mounted with the crystal pendant of explodey, explodey retribution. I'm spotting a theme here in their arms. Yes. Rockagamok uh, with the amputator, which um, Jan was like, what does the amputator do anyway? And I was like, it's quite good. She was like, oh, I didn't know him the first game when I explained. I was like, oops. Jan instantly uh, was pretty much brand new to this army, um, so she was still finding her feet with it. But to be honest, you know, I mean, she was getting there quite quick. Uh, she had a giant, and she also had Nomagorok. So it was actually a really good list. I was uh, quite impressed with it. Uh, we rolled off the first turn. Uh, Jan got it. Sorry, I got it, but I gave it to Jan because I was like, well, most of your stuff's short range, so you can have it. She proceeded to run at me, uh, screaming. Um, not actually, but uh, the ogres were. Unlike Rob Phipps, who was screaming, yeah, 90 yes. hits from the Spartans! I mean, the Red Goblin Bigot was now four inches in front of one of my hordes of guardians. Uh, explodey, explodey, uh, Red Goblin Bigot. So I was like, hmm. The fact she'd come forward so quickly, though, that was quite interesting. So I knew I had to deal with threats. I, I, I had to just restrict what she could do ASAP. So I did one of the combos. I uh, threw my pharaoh into one of the hordes of boomers. Uh, that stopped it shooting. And I also put weakness on them, which meant they didn't have um, crushing strength anymore, effectively, because it's plus one, minus one. So they couldn't do much to that uh, pharaoh. So he, he actually held him off for several turns. The other one, I actually popped um, a beast pack in front of. And I think the third was slightly further off. Um, and we got stuck in a little bit. I shot off the Red Goblin Bigot because charging it would not have been sensible. I think I used, I used the soul snare. Uh, and then more of her uh, forces getting in. But because I blocked key units, she was sending them in somewhat piecemeal. Uh, and I was able to get various surge charges onto the flanks that she hadn't spotted. So over the next turn, I just sort of started elim eliminating about a quarter of her army. And it's, it was one of those where you start to get a lead and then things just go more and more. I managed to get another long surge because... I have the monolith, of course, so multiple is actually had Surge 12, and I had the Pharaoh there just in case I didn't get enough successes. Um, so I didn't quite have 50 Surge like Tom Robinson, but I had sufficient. So, yeah, I was getting various things off, and then the whole army just started crumbling, really, um, as I did more and more killage and blocked her feelings off. Um, I think at the end of the game, I'd lost a couple of chaff pieces, which I'd used to delay her, but I tabled her. Uh, sorry about that, Jan. Oh dear, a twenty nil. She, she, she was like, "It's a good job that I love you, Dan." <laughs> <laughs> she is the best sport I've played, Jan, and she is the yeah, most fun. Jan's to play. Awesome. She's it, awesome. I, we had a great night out the night before. Her, Bob, and everyone. It, yeah, it's a lot of fun. She's also been giving me some uh, great keto tips recently. I've just started the keto diet along with uh, fasting. Uh, Alistair apparently is also the uh, guru of uh, keto for anyone uh, curious. But uh, yeah, Jan's awesome. Hit Dan up for your dieting tips, that's all I can say. Cool. So my second uh, game was against Kieran Lambert, who uh, lives quite near me, actually, but I've never met him before. He doesn't uh, play a lot. Um, and I think... So he bought dwarves with ogre allies, but his list was um, the models that he could field, was what he said. So these are the models that he wanted to field, um, and this is what he could bring. So his list, I think it wasn't the best dwarf list, but it was it was pretty good. 
So he had a horde and a regiment of bulwarkers. Uh, the horde had healing brew. He had two regiments of ironclad. And then he had a little shooting enclave. So he had a troop of sharpshooters and two organ guns. And he had a, a, an ASB that ran with them that had the warbow of Kaba. Now, I don't know about you guys, but the warbow of Kaba, I've never seen it hit ever. It hit every single turn. Without fail, that did some damage. Um, and then he had one regiment of Brock Riders with haste. He had another ASB with a healing charm, just for a little bit of uh, uh, heal. He had a king with the wings, uh, a, a regular steel behemoth, and Kragoth, uh, the special elemental. But weirdly, he hadn't bought the battle drill that goes with it, so it was just Kragoth on his own. Uh, he had the wall of iron formation, so a bit of iron resolve. And then for ogres, he had two hordes of chariots uh, and a, a chariot-mounted standard bearer. So it wasn't it wasn't the most cohesive list. You know, I can't... I, I don't really understand the, the Ogre Chariots, but I think he just had cool models that he wanted to bring, and I kind of respect that. Um, and also, you know, this is the kind of army that my army loves to face, right? Because it's all speed four, most of it hits on fours, um, and it just kind of... It, it can hit into my blight all day, and I'll just sit there and, and pick them off. And that's pretty much the story of what happened. Um, uh, he put his tokens are kind of spread across the board no clustered that's right um on the right and i spread mine out a little bit more um and then i just kind of gummed him up and i'd learned from, i misdeployed in the first game so i kind of learned from that and i kind of deployed in the kind of deployed in the kind of even way and just kind of cleared out the flanks and then there wasn't a lot he could do his shooting wasn't really enough there was an amusing moment because i we played on the board with the giant house on it, it was just this enormous house um which covered most of the center of the board on the left hand side um and i got turn one and i got to choose sides so i got to put my claw shots up on a hill um and i hopped the demon into a, a blind spot my demon spawned into a blind spot in his army on the first turn so that was kind of bad for him except that on the second turn i just forgot to move it i completely turned the regiment to face it and i just i don't know i just maybe the house was so big i didn't see it so turn two i got to the end of turn two i'd finished my machine done all the nerve rolls and i kind of went uh, I forgot to move the demon and I kind of I made the puppy dog eyes at him and I kind of like oh I've forgotten and he kind of went normally I would let you move it but I'm kind of losing already <laughs> I was like yeah okay uh, that's actually fair. fair it's fair it is fair enough and um, I, you know, I'd won the side I'd won the roll off um, and the scenario favoured me as well because really all I needed to do was to sit on his tokens and then get one of my tokens and I could win Um Anyway, and as it happens, his ironclad charged into them and bounced off him for for three turns, and then he murdered them. So it really didn't work out that great um, for him, and uh, ended up with a nineteen. I can't remember a nineteen something victory, but it was a uh, yeah. He just said, oh, "I've been ratkinned," and I'm like, "I'm really sorry." <laughs> it's just a poor matchup, poor luck on the rolls, and uh, um, and that's how it, and that's how it rolled out. So uh, that was game two. And then we all and we had lunch and looked at some armies and had baked potatoes that Sherrod uh, kindly provided for us. And very tasty they were too. And very tasty they were too. Um, and then it started raining really heavily and we moved on to scavenge for game three. So this is straight out of the rulebook scavenge. Uh, John, with your two twenty nils, I think you probably yeah. had uh, something of a challenging match, am I right? Uh, yes, yeah. Um, if everybody hasn't read already, uh, uh, 
Tom Robinson. Uh, I don't know if you've met him before, um, but he was there at, uh, at this particular tournament. Um, I'd managed to dodge him the round before, but this round, it was me and him. Um, now, I'd, I've got his army list here. You guys have both seen his army list, haven't you? Yeah, and he's uh, he's talked about it in the little uh, interview snippet as well. So, yeah, we get it. Seven dragons, seven six regiments, and a, and a horde of trolls. It's simple. <laughs> um, if only it was. Um, at least not to face. I mean, uh, it's, you know, uh, it, is, it says it on the tin. It's like uh, a great flying worms. I mean, some people decided that, you know, in the last Clash of Kings to give an additional slot for these uh, worms so that we could have bigger ones as well as smaller ones. Ha <laughs> ha! Um, okay, so um, that was his list. I mean, he uh, he had two two basically key ideas of his army. One, he had seven dragons to hit you with, um, and then he had a zombie railgun. Now, a zombie railgun doesn't sound that bad, but if the zombies happen to be zombie trolls, it is a little bit worse. Yeah. Um, so I. You know, I've come into this game at least one of the few armies where they've got just as much speed as I have. I've got, what is it, five Alohi units, including the Ur Alohi and the regiments. Um, I've got two Panther units, which all got movement 10, uh, but he matches me man for man with a dragon for each of those. Um, and on top of that, the dragons are far tougher. They're all 18, uh, 18, 20, or just 20 or 21 nerve. So it's really hard just to kill one of these dragons. Um, so they tend to just not only hit you hard, but they also outgrind you because they're just so tough. Uh, now, I'd, uh, I'd set up my army, as I said. I, I tend to what I do is I put the two groups down and then to try and give me a bit of breathing space, because most people have more units than I do, is I put down the wizards and one of the Urlohi in the center. The basic principle being is I can, with their speed, move to any position I need to go. So it doesn't really matter where they go. And they're small, so they don't take up too much space. Um, so they're there. And then I can place my rest of my army without having to worry that I've been outdropped too much. When you're facing six regiments of zombies, though, funny enough, he had he still had a few regiments of those to put down first. So I'd set up the two groups. There was a, a wood in the middle. And with the uh, scavenge scenario... You've got the objective in the middle, and you've got two scavenge tokens either side as well. Um, well, they're all scavenge tokens, aren't they? So um, at the end of any of your movement phases, you can actually pick up the scavenge token. Uh, well, uh, one of your scavenge tokens, you can essentially get a loot token from them. I think it's at the, be the beginning of your turn, you can scavenge a loot token, isn't it? Is it the beginning? Yeah, the beginning of the turn, you can scavenge. Yeah, beginning. So if beginning you of the turn. Um, so we... You know, um, and so I, I set those other side of the wood that was in the centre section. There was a couple of obstacles which had come from nowhere, um, but I tried to outflank him a little bit because of the way that the zombies are set up. Um, they're quite. He was his were a little bit on to my right hand side of the wood, um, just in the line with the zombie trolls, kind of more to the kind of left hand side, just behind the wood themselves. So I tried to outflank him. I mean, we go back to to Neus, Dan, but you know, he, he did do something. Um, so he was on the flank and then one of the Alohi units on the other flank. And I, I was feeling, I don't know, it was, as I said, uh, speed-wise, he was matching me um, across the board. Um, but um, he was he was just, you know, kind of, you know, imagine the Joker from Batman. He was just kind of like, you know, that kind of like evil, evil laugh. And I was going, you're right, Tom. <laughs> went, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just, I'm trying to work out whether I want to do something. All right, okay. Yeah, that's fine. Um, 
So we rolled the dice off for the turn. He won first turn. Um, and he went, right, well, that's it. I'm going to do it. So he maneuvered his zombie troll unit so that it had a line that basically went into these wizards that I'd set up centrally. Um, quite innocuously, because I didn't think there were going to be any kind of threat to them whatsoever. So he certainly moved these trolls forward, six, and then proceeded to move all his um, his dragons, which were kind of like dotted around just behind his zombies, into into a position where that he could then surge with each of them to a point where these trolls would then hit the wizard. Now, I'm going, oh, you know, that's, that's not too bad. It's very unlikely it's going to happen. But then when you work out the math, he's got 50 surge. So 50 surge means he's going to get, you know, an average roll, let's say, we get 24, but he doesn't even need that because we're only 24 inches apart. Plus, he's got six inches worth of movement on his zombie troll. So I'm going, oh, he doesn't need to roll that high. Um, and with the angle that he had, he could hit one of the, uh, the wizards, kill that, hit another wizard, kill that, and then you have the flank of this Arolohi as well, and kill that in turn one, which equates to roughly around about just over 400 points worth of my army, and I'd have a zombie troll unit in a position where I couldn't really deal with it. Um, so yeah, so that happened, and he got all the way <laughs> to the other side of the table with this zombie troll, and my face is going white at this point in time, because I'm going, it's bad enough there's seven dragons, but what you're doing to me is just it's brutal. <laughs> it's just rude. Um, it is just rude. I mean, back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know, that for some reason the wizards are pretty good. I mean, although they're only 50 points apiece, their nerve is 11.13. They come with Iron Resolve, and um, I mean, they have mounted them, etc., and given them a few spells for about 100 points. But um, with 13 nerve, there's a chance. At least one of them can survive. Um, but as I said, for some reason, this tournament, my luck was ridiculous. So he hit me, um, hit nine times with his zombie trolls, but then rolled six ones um <laughs> and i'll be honest it, it was the beginning of the of a pattern that happens to go across this game which i'm not complaining about but had a big effect on on, on the outcome um so zombie trolls bounced not only did they bounce but it also meant that i had a flank with a, a, a logi horde so they didn't last much longer either so the start of turn one i had a uh on my turn one i had from what position I thought I was staring down the barrel through to, oh, it's not too bad. <laughs> that is, yeah, that is, to be fair, you know, you've got you to you gotta go for it if you've got that kind of army, haven't you? And you kind of can see, and to be fair, I've done the same thing with a much less punchy unit and bounced off that wizard as well. So I kind of feel his pain a little bit. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so uh, the beginning of my first turn, he's maneuvered these dragons. So these dragons are actually to get this surge, he's had to maneuver them quite far forward. Um, now they've got the big worms who are obviously slightly more killing than the normal uh, revenant ones. Um, I've actually got a charge with my caterpillar knights onto one of his uh, bigger worms alongside because of just the speed the uh, of the girt panthers. It's in the front, but with the elite, um, they've got a good chance of causing some damage. So I take that. Um, I then throw in, because he's throwing another dragon forward, I throw in the, the Alohi that was about to get hit in the flank by these zombie trolls. Um, he's got the blizzard, but what I did is I threw him forward so that I could tie down a dragon that was threatening my knights. Um, I don't really want a dragon charging my knights because he'll outgrind me. So I threw the uh, Alohi into him, um, and then that left me with uh, 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 another regiment of Alohi also charged forward into a regiment of zombies. This again, the, the reason for this is that they flew forward. The zombies had just come in range so they could move out of the range of a uh, dragon. 
So um, with the Brew of Haste on the regiment, I had them in range quite easily. So they moved forward to allow another Alohi horde to manoeuvre, then turn. So I was now looking down the flank of quite a lot of these dragons um, with the 20s charge on, on Alohi horde. So I was feeling pretty confident they could do some damage. They still had some zombies that could charge them, but because they were charging them in the flank um, and the zombies, I wasn't really that bothered. Um, and then on the left-hand side, Aeneas, who'd done a long flanking manoeuvre, was just manoeuvring around, um, coming up the flank of these uh, uh, these dragons. Um, and then also one of the other greater worms as well that he'd manoeuvred for to surge was also in charge range of one of the uh, Uralahi. So again, taking the opportunity to try and bring him down and stopping being able to combine with other dragons, I, I charged in. Um, he didn't kill him, but the knights and the Gur Panthers did. So I managed to get rid of one of his dragons turn one. Um, the Uralohi bounced off his smaller dragon, um, you know, the regiment of Alohi against zombies, although it's Alohi against zombies, it's only a regiment, so again it bounced. Um, so that kind of set me off for, you know, turn two, so I wasn't looking too bad. The the knights that just killed the, the larger dragon had the opportunity to, to turn around, um, but they were on a piece of terrain. Potion the Caterpillar is great, so that the knights can get in, cause some damage, still be on terrain, but then turn so that it allows me to, you know, um, even though the dragons could charge me, they were going to be hindered if they did. And that, you know, because they're only four plus to hit on these dragons, it, it does actually reduce their effectiveness. Um, so turn two came round. He, Apophis was in a range to charge the Alohi that just killed the zombie trolls. So he took that on. Um, a couple of the knights got charged. Well, the knights that had just killed the larger worm got charged by a dragon. Um, uh the larger dragon that I'd uh, taken on with the uh, Uralohi had actually got a charge onto my Gur Panthers. I'd allowed that only on the basis that he, kill, he could charge the Gur Panthers, might cause a bit of damage, but then he would expose himself to Nairs and some uh, men at arms, good old men at arms, um, who just moved up behind him. Um, and then the Uralohi that had gone in the middle to tie down a dragon, got charged by the dragon again, and then a regiment of zombies. Um, and then, uh, yes, I got a flank charge onto the um, Alohi. At the, the end of the of his second turn, he was just trying to, to make up for the fact that he'd, he'd risked this zombie troll unit, hadn't quite paid off. Um, so he's just trying to tie down a few units, cause a bit of damage. Um, now, the only unfortunate thing for me is that the, the Uralohi that had charged the dragon and then took a regiment of zombies in the front... I died. I didn't think it was a, you know, uh, with the zombies and the dragon, probably around about six, seven wounds, maybe kind of maximum with nerf 15. I thought that's still probably a good chance he'll survive and they'll be able to keep chipping away. But he died in one go. Um, and the rest of them just, you know, uh, just held them up. Now, moving on from that, he, I was able to get uh, 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 the Alohi that I'd done the flanking maneuver with. We're able to charge into a dragon. I get lost. You get loose track of army linking dragons in there in his army. But I managed to get a flank of a dragon uh, to kill that. Uh, the Alohi that had been charged by Apophis came back in and caused some damage. Um, I, I tell you what, I, I, for the first time, I'd taken Martyr's Prayer on one of the wizards. Um, Martyr's Prayer was great through the entire tournament, just meaning that one of the wizards could suck up a load of wounds that had gone on to um, an Alohi uh, regiment. And just, you know, I think at the end of most of the games, he had roughly around about 10 to 15 wounds on him. Because nobody wants to hit a wizard, they want to hit the Alohi, and he just kept taking the damage from them. Um, so they went back into Apophis, uh, caused about 10 wounds or so. Um, 
Um, but what happened, because the Orolohi that was chaffing up the dragon and the zombie unit had died, the next turn, Apophis plus this additional dragon were going to be able to charge into my one of my Alohi hordes, which was not good. Um, the other Alohi horde killed the dragon that they were with, so they'd taken out the knights, and then the rest of the army was just holding back um, the units. Nairs had gone into the, to one of the larger greater worms with the men-at-arms in the flank, get in, um, and it scared him off in the end. Uh, the next turn, the greater one just flew away, just so it was out of, uh, out of position, I couldn't charge him. Um, so, ne- Tom's Third turn, as I said, the Pophis, one of the standard worms, went into the front of the Alohi. After all the damage from the last turn and from um, having uh, being Martyr's Prayer, there was a couple of uh, bits of damage on them. Um, so I was thinking, you know, I'm going to take a bit of a pounding, but there's a chance that they can still survive. Um, the other Alohi, another Alohi horde, got chaffed up a little bit um, with some zombies, uh, which you know I was going to be able to deal with. And in the meantime, one of the, the last greater worm with a brew of haste had uh, not done anything all, up until this point, had just got round to a flank. So it was just manoeuvring into a position just behind this uh, flanking uh, Alohi unit. Um, so his turn proceeded. And as I said, I was really worried about this uh, Alohi uh, horde in the middle. He hit it. He put them onto 12 wounds, I think it was. Uh, yeah, it was 12 wounds onto the uh, Alohi horde. Double wand it. I was like, Thank God. <laughs> that was, I mean, a big, big thing because that meant that uh, I had uh, Apophis on nine wounds because he'd life leached one. Um, the low he hoard right in front of him ready to charge. Great. A um, couple of bits of damage here and there. In the centre, there was a bit of a grind with the knights and the dragon. They were continuing to do that. So I moved into my uh, third turn. Um, Full enough, the, the horde of Alohi charged back into um, uh, into Apophis. Uh, the one of the knights and the Alohi killed another you know regiment of zombies each. Um, and then um, I then manoeuvred just because of the way the position that the Alohi regiment had been slightly gnawing away at this zombie zombie regiment that they'd just been chaffing up, not doing much damage, not taking much, but. Because of the position of the, the greater worm with the brew of haste, I span them around. I was like, you know, zombies, what are you going to do? I mean, 15 attacks, hitting on fives, winning on fives. They're causing two, two wounds probably a turn. If I triple that to six wounds, it's still with another 14. I've still got a good chance with the reroll because they're inspired. So I'll spin them around and get ready to counter charge this, um, uh, this dragon when everything uh, said and done. Um, the, the centre, I, I charged back and I said it was a bit of a grind. Um, in the combat phase, yeah, the Alohi killed Apophis, or Apophis died. Uh, the Martyr's Prayer didn't work as well this time, so I was only with, I still had 10 wounds on this Alohi horde. So they're on the brink. They, they, they only take um, a gentle wind and I'll knock them over unless he gets a double one again. Um, now, the centre breaks. I, I managed to break the centre with the Knights, so I've killed another dragon. Um... Uh, and it's basically he's down to now four dragons, uh, two regular. Uh, is it two regular? No, he's down to one regular and two greater worms. Um, uh, one of ones in front of the uh, low heel that's about to die. Now, this is where I think I suffered a little bit of luck as I uh, 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 bad luck as I charged into, as I said, into the zombie unit with my alohi horde, but they didn't kill him. Um, which basically meant I ended up with a flank being exposed to this uh, greater worm, which is great. Um, 
So in, uh, in Tom's turn, I get a flank charge, greater worm into the uh, uh, a low horde, although hindered, um, it's going to cause a bit of damage. Uh, dragging into the Alohi that's already the Alohi already damaged, uh, pretty damaged. The regiment gets rear charged by the zombies, yeah. um, and then the rest of his stuff just manoeuvres a little bit just to chaff me up. Um, in the combat phase, yeah, uh, <laughs> the dragon kills the. Uh, actually, no, the dragon goes into the flank of the uh, Alohi horde, does I think around about twelve damage, but this is the second. Double one that he rolls in the game, and the dragon bounces. And I'm like, fantastic. Um, Tom wasn't happy about it. Funny enough, he was a little bit more annoyed. You can understand I why. I can't imagine why. Um, and yeah, okay. I lost the other low heal that were really damaged. The, dra- uh, the the worm, as I said. Um, but the the killer of all killers, and this is what really annoyed me a little bit, was the the zombies just killed out the regiment of Lohi. They literally just battered them. Now this this regiment of uh, zombies came back to haunt me later. If they hadn't have done that, they'd have had a flank charge onto this greater worm, and I'd have done that would have been a dead greater uh, greater worm. Because the next turn I do charge the Lohi, but they don't kill. Um, the uh, the knights try to protect the Alohi, but then get killed by the other dragon. And then the greater worm and these flank charging zombies end up hitting the flank of the um, um, uh, of the Alohi horde and killing it outright. And I'm like, ah. Oh. So from a position of quite, you know, quite a bit of strength, I actually got to a point where there was two dragons and a zombie um, zombie regiment against two wizards. And I was going, ah, that didn't quite work out as I was expecting. Um, now, on the other flank... The Greater Worm had managed to turn around and starting to cause a bit of damage, but in the process, I'd actually claimed two loot tokens, one on a, on a Men at Arms unit and one on a Gurpanther unit, um, and I was in the lead. Uh, uh, the only other unit that he was going to be able to claim a, a loot token was with his regiment of zombies. He put them on there, so they got it, but we were running out of turns fast, um, and now it was my fifth turn, Known that he had a sick town, and the only thing that could hit the Gur Panthers or the Men at Arm Regiment was going to be um, uh, the dragon. Now, uh, I knew I, ha- I still had a Critter's Call left on one of the Aerolohis, uh, and I knew I could use this to basically ground him, and as long as I put something in front of him that was big enough, he wouldn't be able to then charge around um, and hit either the Gur Panthers or the Men at Arms, and I win. Um, there's nothing else he can do. He hasn't got anybody else in range to actually be able to claim the tokens. Game over. Um, now, the first iteration of my movement, I was perfectly fine. The Alohi itself flew in front of the uh, dragon, uh, raised the crit's call. Uh, the units moved behind him. I fired the crit's call. He was grounded. And then only afterwards did we realise, actually, I couldn't do that. That was, that was cheating. <laughs> I actually manoeuvred the Alohi about 15 inches. And I went, ah, yes, that was, that was cheating. Um, so what we did is we just went back, did the movement phase again, so that instead of being the Aralohi, it was Nairs who was in front of the uh, dragon, which then meant that the I couldn't maneuver the Aralohi in a position where he had a clear shot, so I then had to fire a shot which was um, in cover, so I needed fives to hit, and I didn't ground him. So it went from a position going, like, yep, I've won the game, to, oh, balls. Because that then meant I had a flank onto the uh, the side of the, uh, uh, one of the Gurpanther units, and he had a dragon to hit me with. Now, the resultant charge, he did enough damage. It was all good. This was going to be the draw for Tom because he would just be able to claim that last token. 
and he double won it. Um, so that was a three double ones at three key points in the game. Uh, I had the last turn. I was able to mop up the last uh, uh, last dragon just to make it. So he had two dragons and a regiment of zombies left. Um, I had Naeus, two wizards, some knights, um, girl panthers and some men at arms. But that meant I came out with a 19. I came out with a 19 on the score because just short of getting that 20 nil. I mean, you know, obviously the double ones play, but at the end of the day, we're playing a dice game, right? So dice is a massive part of it. Yeah. And I think those double ones uh, added massively to the drama of the game. And plus, you know, he had, he had his fair share of luck. He bounced off the zombie units. So, you know, I, I don't think there's, it's unfair necessarily. Um, it just makes it a quite a dramatic game. It does. And it was, it was just, you know, sometimes you just look down and go, you, you do run, you, you, you sympathize with your opponent because he's not done anything wrong. Does that, you know, it's like uh, he's, he's done everything he possibly can. I mean, I could be really annoyed that I didn't ground him with a critter's call. You're firing eight shots. You'd have thought one five on the wound dice. I'd be fine. But this is the way the cookie crumbles, doesn't it? I mean, I'm impressed with how much detail you actually recalled that game. I was cheating. I was cheating. I have all the pictures, you know. Ah, um, right. Yes. So I'm yes, able to yes. uh, to go through. I, I thought oh, it was okay. worth a bit of detail in that game because Tom is a very good opponent. How often do you beat Tom? It is worth remembering in detail. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You've joined a special club there. Yes, I mean, yes. I'm not being funny. It's impressive you took the photographs because I was taking photographs to do a battle report onto YouTube, right? But the clock was running so low. Actually, my... Uh, my second game, I finished with 23 seconds on the clock and the third one with less than a minute as well. My yeah. photographs got really sketchy towards the end of those games, I don't mind telling you. so. Yeah. You had a horde army, didn't you? So it's like, hmm. Oh, there's a lot of <laughs> dice to roll. A lot of dice to roll. So, Dan, your game th- uh, three. Yes. I mean, okay. I mean, I was against Ian Sturges and I, I, I think to start with, he, he was a bit worried about me because I, I was I was a bit more subdued and quiet than usual. The uh, the hangover had gone, but then I was still feeling a bit, and I was <laughs> getting a bit tired by this point. Uh, it's it's amazing how intensive playing Kings of War can actually be, and maybe also because I had that delicious jacket potato, I was, I was getting a bit sleepy. So, uh, but no, 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 no. It was actually a really, really close game. It was very tactical. Um, let me go over his uh, list. So he had Trident Realm with Nature Allies. So he had lots of uh, fools. Um, I pity the fool because, well, I'll tell you about that later. He had a, a regiment of fools and two uh, troops. Uh, he also had the uh, special fools, the hidden ones, yes. Uh, he had two regiments of Nyad Heart Piercers. But wait, no, he did not have the formation. Uh, it's the first time I've played Trident Realm without a formation this year, so. Uh, I was a surprise. Uh, he had uh, two troops of River Guard with the two-handed weapons, uh, lovely units. Uh, Horde of Death Horrors, he had a Nooker. He had a Nyad Envoy with Critter's Call, Aura of Heroism, and the Amulet of the Fireheart. Uh, he had a Mythican uh, with Bane Chance. He had a Trident King. He had Ector, uh, and that's it. So, yeah. Oh, and then, of course, he had his uh, Nature Allies. He had... Uh, two regiments of Brace Riders, Centaur Brace Riders, uh, they're the melee ones, and he had a troop of the Shooty Centaurs and a Centaur Chief with bow, um, same as myself. So this this was quite an interesting one because obviously we had the three um, tokens to uh, grab the, the loot tokens from. Um, 
I was primarily going for the centre and right, but then I saw just how many units he actually put down on the left. And I was like, oh, actually, I'm going to have to put something here. In retrospect, was that a good idea? Possibly not. Um, I ended up putting down my uh, Lycans and Centaur down, and I thought, okay, after we manoeuvred a little bit over there, the Centaurs went into uh, his Centaurs. The 14-16, a very defence four, so my Lycans had a reasonable shot of doing something. No, they completely whiffed, bounced. Next turn, uh, they, they ended up just getting slaughtered. So next turn, I was like, okay, fine. We'll get in this time. We'll put in the Centaur Chief. We'll kill those Centaurs because I really need to kill at least something over there. No, he whiffed as well. Didn't didn't kill one regiment of Centaurs. So that was like um, almost 400 points of the army gone and uh, hadn't killed anything. I was like, oh, that's not very good. But on the right, it was a bit more interesting. Uh, we were matching off. I, he had always fools, and I had my dragons and pappy and everything. And I actually spotted a uh, flank charge uh, uh, from my um, pappy. Was it pappy? Uh, no, the bone dragon onto his uh, depth horrors. Um, he, he, he missed it, thankfully. Um, and these depth horrors actually were, were in a bad spot because I'd, I'd gone wild with the um, soul uh, snare on them. I actually done something like seven damage and I, I nearly put them in one. Um, and he could have healed them on his turn, but he used his um, caster to do Critter's Call to stop me soul draining again. Uh, which is pretty reasonable because it doesn't so much and he forgot to use the amulet for Fireheart to also do Aura of Heroism so the Bone Dragon went in and ended up um, uh, killing those uh, Death Horrors um, so that was nice I suddenly had a Bone Dragon behind his line Pappy was moving up uh, his chariot I blocked off with um, uh, Scavengers and you know what those Scavengers were in combat with that chariot for about 3-4 turns he just couldn't do anything, and I kept life leeching one most turns, and it was just like a never-ending combat. But uh, Ian then was able to ground my flyers. He sort of went for it with his with his little uh, little fools and things. Well, actually, the Mythicans got five attacks, but his envoy with one attack hitting on a four with no crushing managed to ground um, uh, Bone Dragon. It was like, oh, that's kind of frustrating. So. I was getting a token or two, but he'd, he'd, he'd slaughtered my left flank and he was gathering all those tokens up. Um, I, I realised by the end of the game, he would have three tokens on it on, on my left. And it was looking a bit dodgy on the right, but I was then able to um, charge into some fools and we were sort of backing off and getting into each other. It was quite interesting. We were dancing around a piece of impassable where the, uh, I'd placed the... Uh, the uh, marker which you pull the tokens from, and I was able to I was able to go into the front um, with my horde, which which still meant they were only hitting on fours, but I also used the uh, soul snare and combining the two, I killed one troop and then I killed a regiment. Uh, I was able to get lightning onto his river guard and such, and it was just kind of enough. I mean, in the end, my bone dragon after finally getting away from that silly uh, envoy ended up just landing near the uh, thing because I was like okay I'd, I'd love to send it somewhere to kill stuff but actually picking up a token is, is what will win me the game uh, and in the end uh, it, that, that was exactly it I had uh, I think I beat him by like one or something so uh, super super close game and I uh, just just pulled it off 
So uh, cheers, Ian. Uh, sorry I was a little uh, subdued at the start, but uh, excellent game, and I uh, like your army too. That probably helped. Ian's. Um, I played Ian. He's a he's a nice guy. He he and his little fact for you, little counter charge fact. Back in the days of Ohio Hammer, he used to be one of the Warhammer correspondents um, for his Wood Elves. But um, he likes to talk during his games. He's what he says. What he likes to do. He talks to people and he kind of distracts them a little bit. So the fact that you were sitting there silently didn't help. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. But. I was I was getting down to uh, quite low on time at one point. I was like, I'm, I'm sorry, yeah, I'm I'm just going to have to concentrate on this for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good tactic. It's a good tactic. So my game three was against uh, dwarves again. So having just beaten some dwarves, I then faced with some more dwarves. These are Sam Barker's dwarves. Um, first time I played Sam, he's a really nice guy. Um, actually, really enjoyable game. This was one of the most enjoyable games I had of the tournament. He, it was just a really good, tight game. He's a really nice guy. His dwarves are lovely. Um, but he had a much more tuned dwarf list. So he had... Is there any formations? No. So he had two regiments of ironclad um, with skull pole and staying stone. A regiment of rangers with the piercing arrow, which he forgot to use. And then he had, and I've never played against this year, I've never seen them played, he had a horde of shield breakers and two troops of shield breakers. So these are the defense four dwarves. They're kind of like berserker dwarves, I guess. So they've got crushed two with headstrong, and he'd given the horde the fog. Um, then he had two regiments of brock riders, one with strength, one with sharpness, which is the correct way to run brock riders. Um, he had three organ guns. He had two berserker lords on brocks. Um, one with Blade of the Beast Slayer and one with the Wings of Honey Maze. So he had a flying Brock-mounted Berserker Lord, which I thought was a bit weird because I suppose it's just to give them Vicious, but 30 points to give them Vicious seems a bit weird. Anyway, um, he had a Battle Driller, he had two um, uh, Mastiff Hunting Packs, and then he had the special Steel Behemoth Gollocks, Bollocks Fury, whatever it's called, with the special gun. So I thought it was a really good list. Um, um and I was quite... yeah, I, I like Sam. Sam's a you know he's a great opponent. I've played him a couple of times, and he's a nice guy. And, uh, his he dwarves are nice stuff. He's just a really lovely guy. He's just very friendly and pleasant, and you know really good fun to play against. So he also works at bar and brings presents of uh, cans occasionally, which is awesome. I didn't get any cans. Anyway, well, he friends only. Sorry, yeah, friends yeah, only. I get that. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. He's also um, he's one of the mystery opponents on Andy Two D Six's YouTube channel. Um, mystery opponent like masked is he is that what it is (laughs) and he never reveals who his opponents are and occasionally I'll play someone they go oh yeah no I'm used to people taking photos because of Andy and I'm like it's you you're the mystery (laughs) hand I mean actually to be fair Sam often wears a mask at the weekend but oh actually (laughs) never mind I won't go into that that's interesting that's that's for him to know and just to find out so um so we uh, put the tokens down. So the tokens were pretty split. There's one in the middle and then one on either end. And this board was another one of these interesting layouts. So it was, um, it had a great big tower right on the left-hand side of the um, board. And there was only just enough room to get one horde down between the edge of the board and the tower. And he put a token deliberately next to that tower. And I was like, okay, cool, that's fine. I can, I can cope with that because actually I'm, I'm going to enact my, my blight plan, right? So I'm just going to stick two hordes of blight there, one with measured force and one with uh, vanilla blight, and he can just bounce off them for the whole game. That was my plan. Um, he put kind of all his shooting, so he had a hill right in front of his deployment zone, so he put all his orc and guns next to that. Um, on the on the left-hand side opposite my blight, he'd put um, 
one of the packs, uh, one of the troops of the Berserker guys and his sharpness brocks. And then in the middle, he had just kind of a great big chunk. So his horde, his, one of his ironclads, he put Golok in there and he put the battle driller and he was just obviously going to trundle them forwards and try and roll over me. And then everything else was on the right-hand side. So the other brocks, the rangers, uh, the passive packs and all that kind of stuff. Um, so again, I kind of feel against dwarves. My army does well because everything hits on fours apart from you know the sharpness brocks. So I stuck um, my two hordes of blight behind the tower. Um, I put my uh, slaves with the shot shoots behind them, with supported by the guns in the middle, and then everything else on the side, on the other side. Because my plan was, you can have one token. I'm just going to sit there and generate tokens onto my hordes, you know, and start passing them back. And it kind of, kind of worked. Um, the main problem was the left hand. When I'm like, there's no way he can cope with two hordes of blight. It's going to be fine. Um, he ran his Brock Riders into them uh, and a Brock Lord as well. Uh, and he rolled, I think, something like... I think it was ten fives on the first uh, on the first roll. And this is the Brew of Strength Brocks as well. So they're hitting on fours. I'm like, you've got no chance, mate. I've got a dash, I've got two Dash 22 hordes here because they're rallying each other. Uh, yeah, and he exploded the first horde in one go, which was not great because I had nothing else to get over there. I couldn't even get anything over there quick enough to support. Um so the other red the horde hung over, hung around for a little bit, and then he just kind of rolled his um, his brocks on top of them with with some wounds by that point, and and generated tokens. Um, the middle was fine because his stuff was moving incredibly slowly. Um, there was some cover and stuff, and he couldn't really pick off my um, uh, slave horde quick enough. So I generated token, pass it back, generated token. And then on the right-hand side, um, it was much more of a battle. So this was his rangers coming into blight and all that kind of stuff. But in the end, I kind of, I, I really dominated the right-hand flank. So it was kind of, it was very neck and neck. Main problem was my, I had uh, it was basically my claw shots versus his organ guns. And every single turn, I'd be like, uh, "There's, there's three damage." And I roll the dice, and it's a waiver. But everything in his army, he's got headstrong, and he made his headstrong roll turn after turn after turn. Um, so I couldn't, I couldn't get rid of his organ guns. They were just kind of blarting shots at me. Um, eventually, I got rid of them. And in the end, it came down to he had to roll his um, brocks on the left-hand flank forward to get off the tokens so he'd give them to his other units. And that let me uh, turn some of my claw shots and shoot them off. Uh, and so I think it ended up a 2-1. But this is where I'm confused because my, my, my photos get really sparse towards the end of the battle because I'm really rushing and I ended with you know, less than a minute on the clock. And I think I won 2-1. Um, and I remember I got 17 points because that's what I put on my sheet. But Sharad's put me down for a draw uh, on the score sheet. I think he might have got a, a bit of a mistake. So um, It's a travesty. It's a travesty. It is, I, you know, that's four tournament points. I'm, I'm down. So it put me from... from anyway. Anyway, whatever. It's not bothering. I, I don't really care. It doesn't uh, hurt. It doesn't <laughs> Not much. But anyway, I think I won that 2-1. And I'm, and I'm going to stick with that forever. That's, that's definitely what I think. So yeah, that was my game three. So this is interesting. So we moved into game four. And at this point, John, you were on table one, right? Because you'd won literally everything. Yeah, I dropped a point. And Dan, you were on table two, right? No, I was on table one. Oh, you two faced off on the last game. Yes. <laughs> so it might make sense to do your uh, game first. You can do my game first if we like. So my, so yeah. I was on table three. I thought we were table one, two, and three, but you guys were facing off on the top table. Um for the Clash of Kings ticket, which only one of you had purchased. So realistically, yes, at yeah. this point, 
um, whoever won would have to buy the, or whoever lost would have to buy the ticket off the other person if it was you, John. Well, uh, Charles came say over me. to us and he said, whoever wins this will win the tournament. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, I, at this point in time. I was feeling fairly chuffed that I'd made the decision not to buy the ticket, but I still looked at Dan and went, "You bought your you bought your ticket, haven't you?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that means that I don't mind what happens in the result. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I yeah, could, as long as you I could win one way or the other, it's which is why I was happy to go easy on you. Oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> oh that is a burn. I need some. I need some. Balm of some kind. <laughs> so I was on table three, which I kind of liked because there was no way I could beat guys like you. But actually, table three, I kind of is. Your that means you're fourth or fifth, right? So if I win big on this, it means I could actually potentially podium, right? I was quite excited. I thought this is great. And then I come up against Andrew Laycox elves that you'd fought, Dan, right? And I'm facing two hordes of archers, three dragons, all that nonsense. Um. And I had a really clear game plan, right? I, I knew exactly what I was going to do. Um, I thought, this is great. I can do this. Uh, because the last scenario was, it was kill the general, which is basically invade. Um, but with, um, if you kill the enemy's general, so their most powerful unit, um, then you get an extra three tournament points. So mine was my demon, his was his mystical dragon. Um, and this was another slightly odd board. So it had a hill in a corner. So in one of the deployment areas, right in the corner, not a massive hill, but a hill in the corner. And so he's got two hordes of um, archers, one of which has got the, the extra range. And I've got three claw shots. So we're like, well, we're going to stick something on that hill. In retrospect, I think that was a mistake. So I won the roll off and I chose that side. Um, and I've got an advantage here because I've just got so much unit strength. He's, got, he's quite an elite army. So he's got three dragons, he's got some shamblers for two unit strength, he's got some cavalry, and then he's got his archer hordes. And the archer hordes, they're going to struggle to get across the centre if I play it right. Um, whereas everything I've got is just going to roll forward. It's all stealthy, so archers, yeah, don't really care. Um, and that was my plan. But So I put my claw shots on the hill, and then he pretty much, at the end of my turn, but he knew what I was going to do, obviously, and he deployed nearly everything behind the building or on the other side of the board. So I stupidly carried on with my plan, and my claw shots are then kind of just sitting there. Um, but nonetheless, the, the game proceeded as, as I'd planned. So he's got his dracons and his dragons, um, and he's, he's, not, you know, he's not stupid. He knows what weapon teams can do. If you've got 40 breath against anything, it's pretty gross, um, especially with Alchemist's Curse. So he worked really hard to try and get his dragons away from that as much as possible. Um, so I deployed um, just pretty spread across the board. And the plan was to just try and gum him up um, in the middle where his archers were, trying to fill him with blight. And then I'm just going to march the rest of my hordes on the right-hand side of the board across the table. Uh, and that worked okay-ish. So he, did, he got a turn two charge, I think, from his cavalry, um, where I missed a flank. Um, and he got them into uh, the flank of a horde of blight, which... Uh, dutifully exploded and then I turned all my shooting and just knocked them off the board in one turn so I was pretty pleased about that but that was pretty much the only unit I killed the whole game because everything else they just danced it was it was really impressive play actually because he just danced his dragons around my hordes uh, and the terrain in a, in a really effective way so I never got the chance to charge pretty much anything else the whole game and he just picked and picked and picked at my other units um it got pretty close. So it got down to the last the last couple of turns, and I had um, 
the potential to get, so I, I, I'd run out of things to shoot with the claw shot, so I'd kind of push them up the side of the board, so that was three unit strength I definitely had, unless he managed to blizzard one of them off. Um, he had three dragons, and there was a chance he might get one of his archer hordes. And that's the other thing that happened, is I just couldn't kill his shamblers. Um, I'd got a flank from a horde of blight onto them, but it was through terrain. Um, it was a vanilla horde of blight, so it was 60 hits on fives, um, against defense five realistically that's only gonna be four or five damage but i couldn't roll the nerve check two or three times i couldn't roll the nerve check so at the end of the game he managed to get his shamblers um over the half of the board um and he had one of his archer hordes has actually survived to go over the half of the boards but it was it was on 14 wounds and i think i only had my uh standard bearer with the diadem left so there's a fair chance with a good roll i can get that horde off and then on the other side of the board, he had all three of his dragons. He'd finally managed to kill my general, my, my demon. And I had two hordes. And I realized that I'd got two hordes in the middle, both facing towards his half. And he had a dragon, like a dragon triangle around them. So no matter what happened, something was going to get hit in the rear or in the flank. And I had six minutes on the clock left, which is quite a lot at the end of, of, of this. It's, the last, it's turn six. And I suddenly, I spent five of that six minutes just moving templates around, going, you're desperately trying to avoid getting rear charged. Thinking about it, you know, in retrospect, as always, I woke up at five o'clock the next morning thinking, I know what I should have done. You know, I should have got both of my hordes, it doesn't matter, as far as possible into his half and just let him kill one of them. Because at that point, he couldn't have got his dragons across. So I would have had um, six unit strength to his five and he couldn't have got his dragons there. But as it was, I just kind of went for a half hour solution where he... He had the choice of a hindered rear and a front into the shock troops or an unhindered flank and a front into the blight. Um, he took the blight charge, um, he killed them, and then by backing up, he got all three dragons into my half. And so he beat me 7-6. Uh, and what's more is I hadn't killed much of his army. I only got two points total. <laughs> so I went from potentially Ooh. like jumping up to like third or fourth. Um, I think with, with Sharad's dodgy scoring, I've ended up 11th. Um, so, which was, uh, yeah, a bit disappointing. But, you know, I, I'm not that bothered. It was, it was good fun and he played really, really well. And he did, you know, he, he beat me fair and square. The beauty of it is you learn. I mean, you know, as you say, you, you, you woke up at five o'clock in the morning. We've all done that. You know, we've all gone <laughs> home and gone, I could have done that. Oh, um, so, yeah, as long as you learn. I mean, that's, that's how you get to be a good player, isn't it? You learn from every experience. Yeah, I I've actually so. lost several GTs by letting my opponents off mistakes we've made. And it's like, yeah. you know, it's nice to be a good guy, but, you know, sometimes you think it would have been nice to win the GT. Yeah, yeah, yeah 100%. I've, I've, I've lost games where I've made mistakes. Um, I, I could have won a game um, if I didn't charge. If I just stood and thought about it, I'd have gone, I don't need to charge here. It doesn't matter if that unit dies. I just win the game because that guy's got the token. It's fine. But no, you go... Glory! Yeah. <laughs> Flank charge! It comes down to kind of it, how clearly you can think, doesn't it? Because you're trying to count up unit strength, you're trying to look at where positions are, and I got really wrapped up into trying to avoid a rear charge. And actually, it would have been a better tactic to give him a rear charge, so he kind of like, I've got to take this rear charge. But actually, by doing that, he would then lose the game. So it's actually, um, yeah, it's a really good learning experience. And actually, it was a really enjoyable game, and he's a really lovely guy, so... Yeah, it was a good game. So, the big, the big match off, the ticket off on the top table. Who yes, wants to, who yeah. wants to go first? <laughs> I have to say, by this point, I was feeling pretty dead. 
and I, I said as such to you at the time and I made some stupid mistakes early on but we'll uh, we'll get into that yes, yes. Uh, um so um I mean starting off uh I've I've used Empire of Dust for a long time um previous year uh, I mean as I said in the, the opening is Empire of Dust is by Miami for a long time until uh, this year which is when it actually became cool um I, I really do like the army. The enslaved guardians are a really good unit. I'd imagine you found they've been really effective, haven't yeah. they? Yeah, I think my build was a little bit unusual, um, uh, but I really liked it. As I say, it was the first time I used the monolith this weekend. It combined with the soul snare. That's that's some serious nastiness. Uh, obviously, I'm more splitting as well, but. Uh, I really love the Guardians. Um, interestingly, as I said, I didn't really use Windblast uh, all weekend. Um, maybe I should, maybe I should have done at some point. But the trouble is, weakness is so good. Weakness four, so I don't know. I, I was scared of the weakness. Looking at your army list, um, I could see weakness would be a bane of my army because, as I said right from the start, I need to hit you, hit you hard, and then recoup. I don't want to be countercharged. Two things yeah. Empire of Dust do really well is one, take a charge, two, counter really, really well. I mean, with a bone dragon, you can fly up behind somebody and surge into the back of them. You could get flank charged with the enslaved guardians the way that you had set oh, them up. Yeah. I mean, um, it's probably a good idea to go through your setup. Is that you, um, you on the left hand side basically set up your pretty much your entire force on your right, my left? Yes, yes. I, uh, as I was saying before, I uh, put all the guardians on the monolith, the soul snare, Mortabris, uh, so that's so everyone can gain the uh, bonus to the spells. It's uh, pretty huge. Um, uh, Pappy was over there. The bone dragon was similar. I think the pharaoh was just closer to the centre, and I very usefully put some scavengers on my left flank, which which were awesome. Yes, uh, they were. They were. They were amazing. Um... <laughs> But it's um, uh, and the kind of counter to that is that when you started putting down your units, uh, I felt I had to have something that could go around the flanks. I didn't want to again. I, I put down my wizards in the middle. I put my Oroloi in the middle. It was just so that I could get a bit of breathing space because I know they can flex and go either way. Having seen the way that you were setting up, I kind of thought I could get a flank in here. I can get a position where I can get the Gerb Panthers in. Um, all I have to do is stop you from coming forward too quick, um, and it 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 kind of worked. I mean, it, it was putting it did, a lowy yeah. on my left hand flank, staring you down, um, and then putting everything else kind of on the right hand side of basically an impassable piece of terrain right in the middle of the table. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know whether you want to do it specifically turn by turn, but I mean, I, I, I of course was expecting you to at least come forward somewhat on your left flank with all the Alohi, whereas actually you didn't, uh, which of course was leading me into the trap. Which by the time I saw it, I was like, oh, okay, that's that's quite clever. Yeah, but then you this, you encountered it quite well because it was it was the weakness. I mean, I'd um, I was hoping to pop a couple of wounds using my. Uh, my um, spells. Now you'd move the dragon forward. I mean, I, I when I use the Empire of Dust, I tend to have the dragon hidden because if you get him anywhere near any kind of like uh, shooting damage, he will tend to take pain because he's only defense four. So you run him forward, but then at the same time you weakness my um, my Orolohi, and I was like, God damn! Yeah, the uh, <laughs> core cool one because I was thinking, well, that that could be quite unpleasant. So <laughs> yes, yeah, and I, I I managed to get a Sorry, bit. Sorry, uh, it was a Blizzard, not Critters Core, wasn't it? My mistake. That's it. I mean, I, I like taking spells on the Aerolohi that can cause damage so that you can get a bit of damage before you go in because, 
a little bit like you were playing uh, Andrew in the last game, Steve. It, it's good to be able to cause a bit of damage before you then hit them. Um, and then on the right-hand side, you had your carrying, didn't you? Which were facing off against Nerolohi and the Menatars. The Menatars, which you told me had won every other game, basically. So I was like, hmm, I bet we'll win this one. It's <laughs> quite crucial, but we'll get to yeah. that later. We'll get to that. So, yeah, I mean, turn one, you took it first, didn't you, Dan? Uh, yes, because of the possibility of your flanking, I wanted to get on forward. And in actual fact, I had planned to surge my leftmost unit of guardians so that they would be further ahead and protected from your flank attack. What I hadn't realised is, stupidly, I hadn't given myself line of sight from uh, Mortabris, uh, which you pointed out. And I, oh, yeah. So that scuppered that, unfortunately. It was the um, height for um, uh, Monolith, wasn't it, blocking it? So it was like, oh, okay, never mind then. But if I had actually got that surge off, they would have been pushed forward. So by the time you you actually pulled round, they wouldn't really have been visible anymore. So that would have been quite, quite important. So it was unfortunate. Small margins like that sometimes have a big effect, don't they? It's it's strange how it works out. I mean, on, on my first turn, as you said, I backed off. Um, I didn't want to be hit by your soul snare. I know how much damage that thing can do. And also the amount of damage it can do to repair. I knew fully well that your dragon had just taken a bit of damage, or was going to take a bit of damage from my dragon, from my wizards and a bit of the um, uh, uh, the weakened like blizzard. And on the right-hand side, I was thinking, right, I'm going to have to use an Orolohi, but I'm going to take out your scavenger unit because I just can't afford to them to be a scoring unit. Yeah, and of course, on my turn, I'd actually forgotten to move them, which you pointed out, and actually let me move them, which was very nice here. Of course, on my second turn, I forgot to do anything with them as well. I, I really wasn't. I really wasn't on my A game You're at the start of this game. You're playing your premium top game here. I, I know. And I, well, you know, like I can say, I, I felt guilty because he hadn't won a ticket, and I, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to have to make a few mistakes just to make it a bit fair. Um, I would point out, I'm looking at the image now to give you an idea where your where your scavengers are. They were behind. Uh, your rulers, the clock, and the dice pack. So what they were doing is camouflaging the best they possibly could. Yes, yes. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so then uh, on, on the right-hand side, basically this is where the trap was kind of released and the uh, the Gur Panthers and everything kind of shot forward. And all of a sudden this the Bone Dragon was uh, realised there was a lot, quite a lot in its flank. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, and then it moved over to your turn. And um, what were you thinking on, the, on on your second turn? So I knew it was damage limitation. Uh, you'd come forward very quickly. Uh, the Gur Panthers. I, I had planned to deal with them with the Soul Snare, but I hadn't actually fought it fully through in the fact that I would have to be within eighteen inches to shoot them, and they're twenty inch charge range, uh, and they've got Pathfinder. So I was like, oh. So this this was this was my longest turn of the game. Uh, didn't I spend twenty minutes on this turn? I'm pretty certain I did. This was a 20-minute yes. turn in a 55-minute clock. That is a lot. It, it was a really complex turn, though. And I, I managed, I managed, turn uh, time-wise. But yes, I really had to think it through. In the end, uh, I did various possible things. I ended up moving the dragon round behind the impassable, uh, protecting it somewhat, didn't I? Uh, I did various bits and bobs and just, just backed off, tried to get a bit of lightning out, that, that sort of thing. And just generally, I was like, okay, I need to get to those uh, low-he the Pharaoh shot into uh, one of them from the Passable, where it, it pretty much stayed all game, uh, didn't it? Just stopping that um, regiment, because I, I couldn't let a regiment of the Lohi off. I mean, I know it's not a horde, but in a flank or rear, it's still going to mince me, so I, I can't just leave it there. Yeah, I mean, they basically stared at each other and yeah. slapped each other a couple of times, and yeah. you know, your, between your regen, life leech, and my martyr's prayer, they just 
just yeah. didn't do anything. So meanwhile, I was setting up a trap on my right uh, where I, I knew the Alohi would probably charge one of my hordes, but whichever was left would hopefully take out the Alohi on the basis that both of my units are worth less and then I can hopefully get local uh, superiority because I had Pappy around there as well. Uh, that, that was the hope at least. Yeah, I mean, we've had I had two uh, hordes of Alohi and you'd managed, I'd allow you to get the charge with the individual um, yeah. and he'd... He'd grounded one of them, um, and then I had to kind of counter to hit your lichens. Um, and yeah. it was looking good. It was looking good. Um, but then um, the the dice always always end up failing you. Uh, I think on the on the start of my uh, my second turn, I was able to get quite a few charges in. Uh, Nurse got a charge into the uh, into the uh the dogs wasn't it it was it the dog i can't remember the name uh you got him into my uh, beast pack it was uh it was cats but yeah 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 into the beast pack um uh the dragon that tried to escape everything flanking him they got uh, frontal charged by some knights and then yeah on that flank with the Orolohi, i countered the uh, the individual and then charged the lichens with another Orolohi horde thinking i've got a chance against the lichens because they're only defense four i've got a you know I, i've got to throw it in um one of the girl panthers charged the monolith um, just to try and see if I, you know, with triple attacks, you've got a chance, haven't you, to 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 kill it in one Absolutely, shot? Absolutely, yeah. I think you did about five, six damage, didn't you, in the end? Maybe, uh, maybe seven. Uh, I, I, yeah, I think it was a little bit more than that, but it didn't matter because the nerve yeah. eighteen is tough. Um, uh, 15, and then, yeah, or whatever it was. But yeah, yeah. You didn't get it anyway, did you? No, I didn't get it. The uh, the scavengers that hadn't moved got hit by an alohi. That was uh, enough for yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and the men at arms obviously going. Oh, we've done a really good job. Carried on walking up behind the Orolohi to, uh, in the end, just hide behind a building for the rest of the game. Um, but yeah, so the the combat. I managed to kill the individual um, on the left hand side with the Alohi horde, and then the Alohi horde hit the Halikans in the front. Bounced. Uh, they wavered you, but that was it. Um, yeah. With no re-roll, it was. I was thinking it was a pretty good chance that I would do probably about 11, 12 wounds, um, but. Yeah, uh, that happened. So that then exposed the flank to your enslaved guardians, didn't it? Yes, they... yes. I mean, I would have got the charge with the guardians anyway, but it obviously would have been in your front. They might still have got you. I mean, they do it on freeze, crushing two, because they had Pathfinder, so it would have been all right getting in past the uh, wood. But it would it would have been a gamble that way. The fact that you uh, didn't break Marine or the Lycans, I think you double wand them, didn't you? Uh, they weren't worth it anyway. So. It wasn't a double one yet. We were getting oh, was it not? Was it? <laughs> anyway, so he didn't end up uh, end up killing him. So it was like, oh, okay, uh, yeah. Um, and that was it. And, uh, um, and I think in your third turn, then you started to throw things around. So I think Apophis went in and took out yeah. the knights that had dealt the the, the damage to yeah. one so, of so, your. Um, so, yeah, so, so at this point, basically, because you'd had a pretty good turn the turn before, I knew I had to do some impressive stuff. I had to deal with the Gur Panthers, so it's like, all right, we'll chuck my uh, soul um, thingamajiggy at uh, one of them, the soul snare, and multiple at the other, and just hope that I roll enough. And I actually popped one and wavered the other. So I was like, okay, that worked pretty well. And, of course, we didn't mention that uh, Naeus on your turn, uh, into that beast pack, what actually happened, uh, as in nothing happened. Uh, uh, there's a reason I did not mention Nairs. There's a oh, reason I, I, I just oh. don't understand how his knights, his knights have got elite, but he just doesn't work hard enough. He, I mean, not to get elite, yeah. that's just rude. So Nairs was just faffing about, and then Pappy went into the knights, and and um, he 
didn't actually pop them, did he? And I, I think I threw the Pharaoh in as well because it was so important at that point. I had to uh, try and kill him. Was it that turn or was that the turn after? Um, I think that was the turn after because yeah, yeah. I think you did actually kill the first unit of knights. Um, yes, you did, didn't they? Yeah. And you're still grinding away with um, uh, the, the Pharaoh against the uh, the Lohi regiment. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was the next turn where I'd managed to charge in because you still had two enslaved guardian hordes at that point in time, um, and then I'd managed to get the other one with the knights charging in from the flank. So the flank yes. managed to work in the end. The yes, knights, it was happy and the guardians that took out that knight. Knights, so that's right. Yeah, and then it, it would, you know, the knights come in and they, I think they took out two guardian hordes by themselves because with the pathfinder and with the brew, with the um, uh, the bane chant, they'd managed to, they managed to do two of the hordes by themselves just because the elite reroll and wounding them twos, they they do so much damage. Um, and on that turn as well, I'd managed to put the alohi because the lichens had survived. You then killed the alohi horde that had challenged the lichens um, uh, using the flank charge from the uh, the enslaved guardians. So it was down to the other Alohi horde to kill the Lycans in return. Now, they went into Lycans that had already taken, what, 10, 12 damage, regened a few, and yeah. then caused some wounds, and that's when the double one happened. And I was thinking yeah. they were on 24 or something ridiculous like that. I was going, ah, ah, yeah. that's, ah that's not good. <laughs> yeah, that, that was quite unlucky. Although, actually, that one didn't have quite as big an effect, uh, I don't mm -hmm. think because you just ended up finishing them off with a uh, shooting later. But um, it, it did mean I was possibly threatening and such, so uh, it, it, it could have been quite a big deal. Um, yeah, I think I think if they'd have been able to kill the Lycans and then, without having taken damage already themselves, taken an enslaved guardian in the front, they'd had a chance. Not not guaranteeing it, but it would have been that they'd had a chance. But getting flanked and then fronted by both those units meant both yeah. my Alohi hordes had gone, and you were an enslaved guardian that was untouched, and some Lycan horde, which were brutally damaged but oh, yeah. i just couldn't I, I didn't have anything to deal with them and when you said the shooting it, it relied on one of my it was the blizzard wasn't it getting a half inch gap just to be able to mm. shoot the lichens off with the, with i actually the missed that you could even see them i thought i'd left them behind uh, cover but you were able to get just a tiny gap and see them and i was like oh bother because i knew if i could just keep them hidden for eternity they'd regen back and be pretty, pretty safe uh so that was that was unfortunate but a good spot on your your behalf I think that was it. I mean, we'd got into turn four or five, and yes. yeah, what happened is that you've got basically in my half of the table, you've got the uh, the regiment, or oh, sorry, the the horde of enslaved guardians with the caterpillar. They've now got themselves into a position to flank charge the regiment of Alohi that have been held down by the pharaoh. Um, the knights that had caused so much damage early on against the enslaved guardian hordes have now got charged by both pa uh, Pappy and the. Um, um, Pharaoh, yes. and just to make sure i also soul snared them um which which was was quite a big deal early because uh, be, between the three of them i minced those nights yeah it did take you a couple of turns which did actually help me out a little bit uh, okay but but it then left it was a very tight situation right at the end wasn't it which is basically you had apophis on the edge of 24 inches you had yeah. your enslaved guardians in my half so at the moment you have three possibly four um uh, unit strength and all i had left were the two aloe or aloe the one that would finish off the scavengers and slowly made its way over it's worth pointing out this time that nares needed an aloe in three <laughs> and three yeah. turns to yeah. kill one beast pack. three turns to kill a beast pack with help from an aloe that's that's pretty poor and of course the other uh, um point you had was from those silly silly annoying man-at-arms <laughs> what 
what do you mean? I think they'd actually just given up. They're on the iPad by then. They were yeah. behind the, um, the impassable train going, oh, fantastic. Yeah, so um, when do you reckon it's all going to be over? Um, so this yeah. was interesting, wasn't it? Because yes. I had a few choices to make. I could have charged your Naeus and combined the soul snare uh, to potentially take him in one but the issue was if i did that one i had to kill him because if it didn't i'd be on your half of the board and you would auto win two if i killed him it would still only be a draw unless i was able to reverse afterwards two inches yes not even one inch two inches so it's a gamble followed by a gamble or i could be on my own half uh, sorry your half and as long as I don't lose another unit, I'm guaranteed a draw. But I've also got a chance of throwing the Pharaoh into one of your Alohi and Soul uh, Snare in it. So actually, you know, I mean, that's not bad. Not and then, bad. of course, you saw that coming up. So you, you actually tried to stop the Soul Snare, didn't you? With your, uh, was it was it a wizard? Yeah, it was the Martyr's Prayer wizard who was yes. brutally wounded from trying to like uh, regenerate uh, Elohi flies in heroically with his one attack tripled and <laughs> finds the hit and flubbed it. <laughs> yes. So I I basically had that chance. Uh, and in the end, I did a chunk of damage. I think I needed eight twice to uh, pop your Urlohi. Yeah. Uh, because actually the soul drain kind of uh, went a bit whiffy that turn. It was like, oh, what a turn. Yeah. So it was like, well, you know, it's possible. And did I get the first eight? No. No, I didn't even get the first day. I didn't think he did. And, I, and I, obviously, I resolved that as well. So he wasn't that yes. bad off. <laughs> yeah. So that right. was it. Oh. It was, it was. And of it was course... It was a really good game. It was a really good game. It was end-to-end, end-to-end. Yeah, it was neck and neck. After you'd got that flank in initially, it, it looked like I was going to struggle to pull it back. But I think obviously you had a bit of bad luck in places, but I think I think I played it reasonably well from that point. It was just for only a few couple of turns where I made some silly mistakes, yeah. but uh, yeah, it was just really close. And of course, the um, there wasn't too much of a drama about it because I was like, uh, oh, um, I guess it's just down to whoever was on the most points going in. And you're like, oh, I'm on maximum points. Or something. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, I guess there's there's no drama there then. <laughs> <laughs> because of course as I say that early game actually I'd had that, uh, that bit double one but it cost me so many points because I got a decent wins over that and it was like oh okay then oh, that's it I mean, as you say it was uh, it was almost I was riding into that game knowing that to a certain extent that if I got a decent draw I'd, I'd be alright but I didn't want to you know at the same time I didn't want to tell you that because otherwise <laughs> you oh no that's fair that's fair but uh, I mean, I was playing for a win anyway. Um, of course, in retrospect, I do kind of wish maybe I had gone for that Aeneas uh, charge because it was a kill the general scenario, which would have got me tons of bonus points. It would have done. So if I pulled it off, not only would it have been a win, but it would have been a big win, which would have catapulted me, well, to first place. I don't know why I didn't tell you. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the other one might have been enough anyway. And it was less of a gamble. I mean, in that if it didn't work, it would have been a draw. So. Yeah, I mean, and the beauty of this game is you play by definite. You know, you at the end of the game, you got 12 and I think I got 11. So it was a draw, but you won the draw. So, you know, yeah, it's a yeah. victory in its own right. Yeah, so, and on the other table, so table two, Tom actually got a, a max point win, but he got 23. So that yes. we wow. ended up with, uh, you won the tournament, John, by one point. Wow! I didn't realise it was that close. Wow! Yeah. And and of course, typically, 
despite the fact Tom had lost a game to uh, John, and I'd won three games and had a draw, he actually ended up uh, taking past me and could get in second. I was like, no! I got hold of the score sheet, so he got a 20, 20, a 6, and a 23. Wow. So um, I, I tried my best. I tried to take more off him. Sorry about I that. forgot with the Gilver General, you could get bonus points in the last one, which is why he was able to catch up so much. How many points behind was I? Uh, only, you got 66 overall. And, and and what did the other, sorry, the other two so, get? So 70, John got 70, yeah. um, Tom 69, you 66. So there you go. So there you go. That, that double won in that first game. That, 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 that would have been enough. Andrew beat, beat me with a 22, and he ended up with 65, so he was only one point wow. away from you. So, wow. yeah. so despite not losing a single game, I was almost knocked down to uh, fourth. Yeah, crazy times. So really close to it. it, it that's amazing, what? isn't it? What? You know, I didn't realize how close that five points separated. No, I, I never saw it, and it hasn't. It hasn't. It wasn't actually released. So uh, unless you actually saw it on the day, you, you know. Um, I've yeah. Sneaked a copy just because obviously Excellent. my score is wrong, and I'm like that. I want to know what I would have done. <laughs> And if you're interested, I would have come eighth. But there you go. It's not important. I'm not bitter. So anyway, some any final thoughts on the tournament, guys? Uh, John, any final thoughts from you? Um, I mean, look, I mean, I love the bigger points values. I think it's nice to be able to play something different. Um, as I said at the end of it, I was I was shot. I mean, literally, I got home and I just sat down and uh, my mind was fried. But I love it. I love I love going down and be able to use everything. You know, I can't. It's like I could take from my collection and I just go right there. We go. There's two and a half thousand points worth of you know basilians. A bit of tweaking here and there. Um, and it was good fun. It was one of those tournaments where everybody's. You know, it's great to talk to some people. I think I met a couple of people I hadn't seen before. I mean, Alastair, I played first game. Great guy, uh, annoyingly well-painted army. Um, uh, I really enjoyed talking to him and just getting his viewpoint. There was a couple of other guys who just, uh, one was his first tournament. And, you know, that's great. I mean, it's, I think, unfortunately, I think he had to play Tom in the first game, which is not necessarily your tournament experience, isn't it? So, Apparently yeah. he quite enjoyed it and he didn't even come last. So, you know. That was Jacob, right? He, um, yeah, Jacob Woods. With Jacob the Woods. He's got a massive mohawk. He looks really cool. Yes, it was impressive. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, it was, it was just good to see. It. And, uh, you know, it's good to see the, you know, the Kings of War community. We've got, we've got more people coming in. And I think that's something, this is just nice to see. Um, and I like, you know, I like a little bit of quirkiness with the, the, the Kings of War. I think it, it, everybody has their own taste, but um, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Dan, any last thoughts from you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Battle Masters is one of my all-time favourite tournaments. It's the oldest running independent Kings of War tournament in the world. Uh, Sharon's awesome. Lovely guy. I mean, he brings you tea and toast. I mean, how often do you get that at a tournament? I mean, it's pretty damn cool. Um, the addition of the night out before, for me, really makes it because you get to hang out with people, have a laugh. The hangover bit wasn't quite so much fun. But, you know, I kind of managed. I mean, you say you were knackered, whatever, by the time you got home. Oh, my word. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't I wasn't in a good place. But, uh, yeah, the tournament was, was, was a lot of fun. Uh, seriously, seriously good time. Now, what's interesting is going into it, I'd looked at the rankings and uh, I'd, I'd seen how many points we could get for it. And Tom, if he won, would only increase by one point. So not a rank, one point. So it's more or less meaningless. I would increase by about four points. So, again pretty much meaningless what it hadn't occurred to me is that if john won he would steal my spot in the rankings Wow, that's so right pushed down to seventh place you've gone from 10th to 6th nice work ticket, ticket and sixth. I'll, I'll take it 
I know. But what is cool is I am now the highest ranking UK Empire of Dust player. Yay! Oh, damn it. I've only actually used them uh, twice, so I, I, was, I was a bit surprised at that. But it's like, oh, cool. And I'm probably going to take them to Clash of Kings as well because they're just so much fun. I'm, I'm really loving them. Although, to be honest, I'm probably going to go back to my uh, Umberhawks, uh, take a non-Mantic army. Uh, although, obviously, there's the chance of the Adepticon ticket. Um, I, uh, I, I just fancy uh, cracking on with, with the army I actually built to use as them. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a nice-looking army. So, John, before we go, any shout-outs you'd like to give? Um, I mean... Uh, it's a busy, busy month in September. I'm going to be down in Enter the Fray in High Wycombe, which is my local uh, local club scene, which is going to be good. A thousand points, which is a, a little bit different to your kind of like usual, you know, fifteen hundred points plus kind of like uh, uh, a which is good. You know, it, it gives you some different like uh, 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 tricks to to play and also tactics to use, um, and it's good to just maybe get a few more people who are, are kind of new to the game to play. Um, and then I think it's going to be Clash of Kings at the end of the month, which I think I'm just going to have to to book out the, the date of the Adepticon, right? Make sure that I've got the uh, the space free for no reason. Dan, any from you? I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously, Showered, uh, I really enjoy the big big games as well. And Showered's talking about a new uh, GT running next year called Titan Wars, which is going to be 3,000 points with the proviso that you must bring a Titan. I mean, I'm well up for that. It's five games. It's big. It's chilled. Uh, yeah, sounds awesome. Um, also, we've got the FFS GT coming up uh, next year, probably around late February or something like that. That's good uh, for Snake. Yes, and that's actually the largest independent uh, GT in the UK, quite uh, randomly. We're not quite sure how that happened, but people seem to have a great time. So, uh, yeah, awesome. Uh, please come. And, uh, you, you know, if any uh, guys want to come from overseas, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll show you a good time. There's, uh, you know, Nick is always willing to uh, take people on his awesome tours. So, you know, there's lots of possibilities there. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, showered. He's awesome. Uh, great time. Forfoot Snake is in my diary. Um, from my point of view, I'd like to shout out you guys. I really appreciate you guys coming on and giving such an in-depth uh, run-through of your games. I think it's really interesting to hear two kind of top-flight players talking through their games and the way you approach them. And hopefully uh, everyone got a kick out of hearing you guys discuss it. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you very much. Pleasure. So thanks for coming on. John, take us out. All right. Keep on counter-charging. Oh, yeah. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons. Before we crack on with our recap, um, a few of us were down or up uh, the night before. Uh, you didn't come down. Up, up, down, up. You're definitely from High Wickham, aren't you, John? So you didn't come down. Blah, blah, blah. I'll start that again. Sorry, sorry. Is the up and down something to do with the nakedness? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, oh, it okay. is. I, 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 I mean, I wasn't there for that particular scene, but as long as you had fun, that's all that counts.